Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast. Stronger than ever. We're like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Circa Predator. We're always going to shoot you in the jungle or something. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming along. I'm here with uh, Mike. Hi. And Matt. Hello. And in case you didn't know, I'm Tim. Uh, so we're going to chit chit chat a little bit about um, our new issue to start with. Now, we don't like to use the Strongcast to uh, pimp our issue much. But uh, we, we are pretty pleased with how it's how the latest issues turned out, which is on sale next Tuesday. Um, if you're a subscriber, you've probably got it. And actually, yeah, if you're a subscriber, you've already got it. For less money. Yeah. yeah. So subscribe. If you, if you buy, we said this before, but if you buy more than like eight copies of the magazine a year, well, you're going to get like four for free. Well, and, five for free. We do three and you get a year. freebie. Yeah, th- this issue, if you subscribe, you get a free copy of uh, Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sands, which is... Um, a great game. Which is a pretty good... Subs, yeah, um, real good game. Subs gift, so should definitely get in there. Go on, yeah, that's it. Go now, yeah. So, uh, so let's talk a bit about the issue. Uh, we're pretty pleased with it because um, it's a bit of a special issue in a way. It's got a, a very, very special cover on it. Um, I don't really want to talk about it any more than that because people who've got it already, subs, people who subscribe. We'll see what we're talking about. And people who, who, who haven't, who are going to go out and buy it on Tuesday, uh, we don't want to spoil the surprise for, but it's got a really, really snazzy cover, uh, and we hope you like it. Do let us know what you think of it, because we'd love to hear about it. So let's go through the issue a little bit, talk a bit about what we've got this issue, what the big stuff is. Um, I guess the good, a good starting point is, is Gears of War, which is not imminent necessarily, but the beta is. Yeah, the beta is, yeah. Um, our people, not us, we, we we didn't get to go out there, but our people have been out to play it and have said that it's 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 really good. It's looking very strong. Um, Mike and I, uh, now nah, in fact it was uh, me and Dale. We recorded the DVD last week and we chatted a little bit about the multiplayer because Gears Two had a bit of a disappointing multiplayer. Um, I didn't play it too much actually. I guess that's <coughs> a, a measure of how, how you didn't play Gears Two very much. The the, the multiplayer side. I finished ah, right, the single okay. player. Um, people know I'm not too much of a multiplayer guy normally anyway mm. but I think I played about one game of Gears 2 multiplayer and then just didn't bother anymore you had quite a few problems uh, that were echoed throughout the community I think everyone was a little bit cool on Gears 2 Online uh, which was a bit of a, a surprise because the first Gears game did wonderful mm. uh, there you go that's my I, I was I was hoping to get it in nice and early so I could get it out, <laughs> get out, of, out of my mouth completely out of context I said wonderful Matt's Matt's prolific use of the word wonderful yeah. uh, once again comes to the fore I, I, I was thinking to myself I've got to say it nice and early and then I won't, fall back, on, yeah. I won't maybe, fall back on it again maybe wonderbar yeah. wonderbar yeah. Um, so yeah the first Gears uh, had had a great online mode that I really enjoyed actually I played it for months and months and months but I think Gears 3 uh, Epic has realised that they dropped the ball a bit with the, with the second game, and so with yeah, the beta, the, the community's got a big long list of complaints. And as usual, it's a big community list of complaints. So we're not going to bore you with it now because it is literally stuff like this gun does like five health points, too much damage, and mm. this this gun the range on it's uh, a, a foot too too you know good. It's all it's all that kind of thing. But you know you 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 rack them all up, you stack them all up, and eventually you 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 pretty much ruin your game with enough of those little problems, mm. you know? So for the third game, they're fixing all that and they're bringing in dedicated servers, which is the, the big yeah, change. I mean, that's and the that, big thing. And that changes everything, you mm. know? That really does change everything. And I guess, you know, the thing is, is that the community are the, are the people who are out there playing it, you know, day in, day out, uh, in a way perhaps 
not even Epic can can manage. So, I mean, they are the best people to... Well, that's why they do beaters in the first place, is so that people who play games who, you know, spend all day playing games who don't apparently have jobs. And I wish I could get that kind of job myself where you're allowed to play games all day and you're still somehow you're able to pay the mortgage. 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um that's the, yeah, that's the best people to, to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And even, I mean, that's how that's how Battlefield's become as good as it is. Yeah, is I mean, Dice really isn't as a community. Uh, Gear is the thing with this beta is it is a proper beta. They have time to implement the changes and the feedback that come from the beta. It's not a proper beta in the sense that it'll be mega unpolished and like proper early though. Mm. I mean, if you there's actually a Spec Ops beta running at the moment, a, a invite only beta, which is properly early, you know. And this is Gears One. This is more going to be like a demo for the final game. Yeah. Make no mistake, this will be a polished well-made products which you'll have a lot of fun with and then they'll take any feedback out of it and, and improve on the game but I mean I guess it's not surprising given the game is going to be out in no, I mean, April originally yeah and, and also you've got to factor in that Gears is such a it's got such a wide appeal that so many people are going to be drawn to the beta that you can't really communicate to, to all the many people who are going to be jumping on that this is early code. They have to make it polished because if they don't, people are going to yeah, walk away thinking, what they used oh, to Gears be, ain't that good. It, mm. When in natural fact, oh, it's just like a mid-development beaters game. Beaters used to be beaters where you'd, you'd get a piece of code which was like choppy and there'd be texture glitches and mm. some there'd be bugs where you could walk right through walls. There'd be all kinds of problems, you know? And these days, it's like nobody could afford to do that. These days, beaters are very rarely real beaters. Yeah. I mean, this is only a beater in the sense that feedback has time to be accounted for, you know? Mm. It's like, I think there was a beta for God, what's the game? I think they did. I think was there a bad company two beta, which was, was which yeah. was which ran three weeks before the game was hitting shelves. It's like there's what can you do? There's, there's, you can't do anything. The game went gold like four weeks before mm. it hit shelves. I mean, it's, it's very silly. But uh, we're looking at you know gears next month. If you want to get on the beta, you're going to be able to get on. Yeah, and a lot of people are panicking, going, "Oh, you know, how do I get onto the beta?" There's going to be a million websites giving away a million codes. Mm. If you've got a copy of Bulletstorm, you'll be able to go and play it. If you've got a copy of... Um, God, what is it? I think they're, 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 just, they're just, just giving away codes. Oh, they will, yeah, no, absolutely. If you pre-order the game, you get a code. Yeah. I mean, come on, everyone, everyone's going to get on if they want to. So we talk a little bit about uh, Gears, well, a lot about Gears in the in the next issue. Just going back to one of the things you, you talked about there, Mike, um, Spec Ops. I mean, that's quite an interesting one. I mean, have we had any feedback on how the Spec Ops beta... Looks from people who've had a had a well, gander at it. I've, I'm actually on it, but I can't talk about it. Oh right, okay. Can't even say if it's looking any good. No, oh. literally can't even say that. <laughs> we have to move on. What, what I can say is the last anyone saw of Spec Ops was at E3 last year. Mm. It's a long time ago because that was a game we were quite hot for. Well, you know, we, we still are. It's a really yeah, good, we went, yeah, really great looking game. We went out and saw it, and uh, well, yeah, chat to the guys, and and you know, yeah, put on the cover. I'm pretty. Pretty interested to see how that turns out. I just yeah, me it's too. It's, uh, it's uh, the Jaeger's mastery of the Unreal Engine is second only, I think, to uh, to Rocksteady and um, and the baby themselves. Epic. Yeah. Epic. yeah, it's like you know they they're right up there. They really know what they're doing with that engine. It's a, a great, great looking game, and uh, it's got a lot of it's like the attention to detail which will make that game. Lots, lots of little things. Yeah, which mount again in exactly the opposite to what happened with Gears multiplayer. A lot yeah. of little things mount up something very good. But where is it? It should have been out by now. You know, it should. Yeah. It should have been out a long time ago. In fact, getting into dangerous territory now. If you're looking at towards the end of 2011. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you, they they cannot release it at They're the end of the year. They're going to have to go back to 2012. They got to be looking at June, July, August, or not at all. It has to, it has to be like January next year, mm. otherwise. Of course, another game's coming out in August. There's got a, a, probably about the right 
release slot is is Deus Ex. Absolutely, it's the right release slot. It's uh, it's a, it's the perfect release slot for the game. It's the release slot we wanted for the game, but also the release slot we didn't want for the game because. I'm ecstatic it's coming out in August because it means it's going to have a chance to shine instead of getting murdered mm. by all the stuff which comes out September to October. Yeah. But I'm really disappointed that it's coming out in August because I'd like to play it a little bit earlier. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is the game's not finished. It really isn't. A, yeah. game, a game like that is a 20-hour big RPG. There's so many things to test, so many things mm. that can go wrong in any given playthrough, so many variables to play with. They've got a lot of testing to do. And remember in mind, the game's been playable from beginning to end since about November last year. So since then, it's just been nothing but polish, 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 polish. I guess the other thing with that is that it's, uh, in many ways, um, a little bit, it's coming from an unproven set of developers, really. I mean, this is... what I mean, have they done anything No, nah, it's their first game. Yeah. So it's Montreal's first game. I mean, what a project to take on as your first game. I mean, I know yeah, these they, guys have worked elsewhere. They are absolutely the, industry, the dream team, you know. They're, they're, they're really a dream team of developers. They've got some of the best of the business from all over the place. Most of them from Ubisoft Montreal, to be honest. Like, most of them are people who worked on Clancy Games, Assassin's Creed, Rainbow Six. Some good heritage. Yeah. Yeah. But what a game to make a name for yourself with. I know, yeah. How, there's no better way to put yourself on, on the map than coming out with... You know the the third game, uh, the third Deus Ex game, when the first one is so well respected, yeah, um, and certainly when the second one did so poorly by comparison, people are hot for another one. Is there any worry with it that you know it's sort of PC centric series? You know, maybe people aren't going to be hot for well, it. In it the way it they depends. Should. You know, System Shock was a PC centric series, and Bioshock released in August and went huge. True, yeah. Uh, Oblivion was a you know, Elder Scrolls was a PC centric yeah, series. Morrowind was. My um, and, you know, it came the when Oblivion was the, I think the breakout. Morrowind did okay on Xbox, but Oblivion was the breakout yeah. again. The right game at the right time. Mm. If August, if August is the right time for it, and we'll we'll soon find out if it is, then every, every, everything business. will be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just turning through the mag, we, we another game we cover off is uh, is the Darkness Two, um, which was announced this month, and um, I don't know whether I'm sort of hot for it or not. Really, I, I'm really I, pleased that it's back. Cause yeah, I was a big Darkness fan. I think the I think the Darkness was good, but I don't know if it was amazing. It was it had those terrible World War One sections in it. Yeah, they were which were bad. awful. We had those great moments, like the uh, when your girlfriend was executed, or even uh, earlier than that in the apartment when you can just sit back with her and watch a film. But is that great? Uh, I yeah, I that's, that's great. That's, that's great once, isn't it? But yeah, 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 no, once. But that seems to me like thing. something that you tell people about as something that's kind of awesome, and you're like, yeah, but nobody did it. Nobody actually. It's, it's oh, I didn't called, watch the whole film, but I, I watched like ten minutes. It was a great moment in it. I mean, I you say it was only great the once, but I only played that game through once. In fact, I play like ninety percent of the games I play. I only ever play them once, and then I move on to something mm. else. And I have good memories of the darkness. I thought it. Oh had no, no, I do as well. It's, it's, it's kind of like so. It's when it's someone saying to you like, so there's this really great bit in the game. You do nothing. You you press a button, and then nothing happens. Because that's what it is. That's what you're talking about. It's, what sort of, it's, it's a moment in a game where literally nothing happens. So what's you, wrong you with that, though? There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with a game in which you're shown something and you enjoy it? I mean, games don't have to be interactive all of the time. That's there not what Danny th- Bilson says. Danny Bilson's recently been talking about that on the, uh, just, just the other day. Well, that's where He Danny was Bilson's saying wrong. about how you know, cuts, <laughs> cut scenes have no place in games. Uh, he said, you know, the moment... He, and another, another guy at GDC made a really interesting point. He said, you know, the only... 
the only interaction a player has with a cutscene is to decide whether to skip it or not. Mm. But in the darkness, it wasn't a cutscene. No, it wasn't. It, it was, was a moment you, you could choose. You sit down. And you could choose to interact with, or you could choose not to. Yeah. And I like that. I like being in a situation. So in Portal, Portal has these moments. Certainly, Portal Two does, where you can just take some time out from what you're doing to appreciate parts of the I world. Guess, yeah, I guess it's building the world and the sense of the world. I mean, going back to, to how it was as a game. I mean, I, I think it was it was good. Don't get mm. me wrong. I think it was a good game, but I don't. You know, Starbreeze. I think I think I'm right in saying, but correct me if I'm not. But it was their next game after Riddick. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. So it was that and Riddick was all sorts of awesome. Yeah. You know, and 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 the darkness at the time it hasn't aged well. It hasn't. No, but then you know we could say that's true of a lot of games. Got, I really, guess. got a really flabby midsection. Opening's great. Ending's still really cool, but the midsection when you're in the the mines, yeah. flabby, flabberama that midsection. Flabster. Yeah. So I don't know. At the time, I wasn't. Mm. I wasn't. I, I, you know, you start out and you, you're like, "Whoa, look, what I can do!" Yeah, and then I, you can like get your little darkness tentacle. Yeah, whatever it was to go off and like that's right. Do run stuff. around the city. Yeah, and run into the tube station and stuff. Um, but the more I sort of, the more I sort of think about my experience with the darkness, the more I, I think um, that's why I'm not sort of like I'm so kind of excited about it being back, but I'm less excited when I know Starbreeze aren't involved. Yeah, I think that for me is is the kicker. Now, I mean, digital extremes are, have taken it over. We should just say that the last thing they did, which was the uh, Bioshock Two multiplayer, turned out really well. The last did, thing they actually. did was actually Homefront for PC as well. I mean, they were they were trusted to port Homefront to PC. Uh, fair enough. I mean that. I don't have a they're game tech, PC, they're so tech I, I guys, you know. They're, they're tech front. guys. They they're really really good with technology. If you need a game port in somewhere, they're the right men for the job. They'll do a lovely bang up job of it. But the thing they've never done is a good original game. Their, of their last own. original game was Dark Sector, yeah. I believe, and that was okay. Before that, they did Warpath and Pariah. Yeah, and when yeah, you go through I mean, that, then it starts to become less exciting. You know, Pariah was. I remember. I remember. In the early days of Xbox World, when Pariah screenshots landed, and and it's it sounded like, I mean that they were sort of tipping it as like the next Halo because you yeah. could create your own maps in it and stuff on the well, Xbox it was, version. I don't, I don't recall that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could. But it was very much based on Halo, and in, in the same way that Warpath was very much based on Unreal Tournament. Yeah, and Dark Sector was very much based on Resident Evil Four. Yeah. I mean Warpath. I mean I barely even remember I, that. I, I can't even. It was uh, it was a blip, you know. Yeah. Does that come out on Xbox? Yeah. Huh. Just message just completely passed me by. It died the death that all multiplayer only shooters do on mm. consoles. It's quite unfortunate that we're recording this uh, a day too early, really, for Darkness Two because we've actually got it in the office tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not that we'd probably be able to like, be allowed to talk about it, but maybe, yeah, maybe I not. I don't, I don't know. know. Better. We're going to see it. Tomorrow. Well, maybe. I mean, if you're showing us the GDC proper. build, yeah. Yeah. where people are talking about yeah. we, we actually had a freelancer over at GDC who's yeah. played the game. Well, seen the game for us, so. So impressions of GDC, anything interesting come out of that? Yeah, a lot of interesting talks. I'm going to gradually catch up on those over the next couple of weeks mm. as they as they pop up online and so on. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, I think all of us were dying last week as it was yeah, going on. Yeah. This is why the podcast is a week late, because the mag was down yeah, to like one probably, man. We should probably tell people that, that well, I, I wasn't, I was off last week, but you guys went down with some sort of tropical disease by the sounds of things yeah. I mean it's not surprising when Jem came in the week before and literally was coughing in arr, 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 wasn't it all day you know for about three days yeah that was good a yeah. good couple of days and the best thing I think about it was was we were bang on deadline yeah. so it was really nice and easy to concentrate yeah. but that kind of uh, arr, arr, yeah, dying on his feet. But you said it was a bad, bad bite, Mike. You really said, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a special one. I don't really 
you know me, it's like I don't. I think we should have a rule from now on, actually, where if we if anyone in the office is ill, they don't come in. Yeah. Because otherwise, we all just end up getting it, and we yeah. all end up feeling. You know, we end up losing like an entire week to these things rather than like one person for two or three days. Yeah. It's just like because you know, this one was a, a particularly bad one. I don't really make much of a fuss when I get ill, but this one was rotten. <laughs> it absolutely took me down. If, if someone had told me last Tuesday, if a doctor had come to me and said, Mike, I'm sorry to tell you, you're dying and there's nothing we can do, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. It's the end of the pain. Yeah. The end of the I'm like, you know, that's, that sounds that sounds like a fair assessment, docs. Thanks very much. Yeah. And you're still full of, full of it as well. Yeah, still full of it now. Yeah. Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Good old Jem. I wonder where Jem got it from. I mean, Bi- probably, biological That's weapon, right, he's been, <laughs> been in the South American jungle. Yeah. Um, bit, was bitten by a monkey. <laughs> Outbreak style, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a good film, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there were the days when Dustin Hoffman could legitimately headline a film. Yeah, he's God, to, he, now he's just now he's just fronting uh, Sky Atlantic's um, is, promos. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. See, the Fockers really spoiled everything. Yeah. Meet, Meet the Parents kills everything it touched. It killed Ben Stiller. It killed Robert De Niro. It killed Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, don't De Niro is just. I mean, the guy's a clown. There's nothing he won't star in. Yeah. It's literally, if you and me was if we're making like a video, in fact, we should get him in for the DVD. We should. Yeah. If we were making a movie and we were like, <laughs> listen, we got, it's, it's not very good. It's not very funny. It's not got very tired people in it. But here's $5 million. You'd be yeah, like, we'll, I'm in. We'll, yeah. we'll get to Nero over. We'll create a little, uh, we'll, get ear, we'll get Earwig, an animated Earwig. We can get a Ron Perlman to voice it. Get yeah. him to call yeah. in. <laughs> we'll get the voice of, we're starring the voice of Ron Perlman yeah. for what? Three quid fifty, probably yeah, buy yeah. him, buy him some like a meal at McDonald's. Get get against his pasty. Yeah, Zanero would be good. Yeah, and then if you mess up the the DVD, you can just crack out. He's just like watching his watch, and he's like, "All right, it's time for me." Is it? You blew it. You blew it. And then he's <laughs> off. That's his. Uh, that's his five million. What was actually the last film De Niro? Good film De Niro did. Um. It's like it's De Niro. You got me to go like bang, 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 bang. Here's this film, this film, and that film, and this film, and Copland. that film. But there's not, is there? The guy's, the guy's done a, what nothing that but rotters. Pacino that wasn't Heat. That was oh, awful. My God, yeah, awful. I watched <laughs> oh, yeah, that. No, I watched sure it about it two months ago. <laughs> it's it absolutely awful. But I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you this for free. De Niro, <laughs> right? For free. It, this is like De, Nir- De Niro's trying to get through with the top of his acting powers, right? But Pacino bless him it's like this is obviously a completely shit film yeah. but I'm holding out for my paycheck yeah. you can see he's got he's got a reservation about him whereas yeah. Nero is like you blew it you blew it you know all the way through it so it's I think I think it was Copland his, his last best for, last yeah. good film really that long ago yeah Jeez. I can't remember because then it all went a bit Rocky and Bullwinkle didn't it yeah Oh my god! Because he did, he followed. I'm sure he followed Copland with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Have you got it there? Oh, the, the, the unfortunately. Analyze this was a wrong movie as well. Oh, analyze this, analyze that. Two awful. Awful, two awful films back to back. Yeah. The only good film Billy Crystal's ever been in is um, a City Slickers. Yeah. What about, I defy uh, you to think of another. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Princess <laughs> Bride. He's quite good in Princess Bride. Is is he in Princess Bride? Yeah, he's the he? um, he's the old. Yeah, that's he's the old like gobliny guy. Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, I've seen Princess Bride. For Matt's years, still looking at Robert De Niro on IMDb. <laughs> what's, what's the matter with your Windows phone? It's so slow. Well, I don't have an app. You have to go to the browser and then you have to go oh, into IMDb. Man. Anyway, I've got, IMDb. I've got the page. Oh, right, okay. I've got the page. Let's now. have a look then. What was? What we got? Apparently, he's rumored to be in the Uncharted film. Who cares? What's his latest? What's his last good film? <laughs> 
don't know, but he's apparently filming a film right now called Another Bullshit Night in Suck City. <laughs> that sounds good. Brilliant. So he's like, well, he is going to be in a new De Niro um, Pacino. Um, oh, no, he's, he's actually starring with Al Pacino he, in an ex Scorsese film, right? He was in, oh, that's right. Yeah. So that's going to be hot. He was yeah. in Machete. Is Machete a good film? It's pretty good. It's fun. Righteous Kill. That's that's the Pacino one. It's awful. It? Yeah, it's awful. Stardust. Stardust is good. Mm, is it? Is that gay pirate? Isn't he? Mm, is that gay pirate? <laughs> Stardust is a good film. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah, it really is. Mm, it's a guy before that? fancy flick. Mm. Uh, before that, yeah, I like Neil Gaiman, The Good Shepherd. Even as, even as a comic book writer, I mean, I Gaiman never saw eye to eye. I know he's really good and everything. It's just not for me. Uh, hide and seek. Never rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Uh, Shark Tale. Oh, that was toss. Any DreamWorks animation with yeah. famous, uh, with a, with she's sold on the basis of little famous actors. Like you this know, I know it's not DreamWorks, but you've seen the adverts for Rango lately. Yeah. yeah, you know your your film's in trouble when you've got to have the star of the film, yeah, Walk Johnny in. Depp, yeah. standing on one side of the picture <laughs> with the Rango yeah, character yeah. on the other, going, "Hey, it's a star of Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp. You all know him, right?" Yeah, that's right. That I saw that. Got? Yeah, I yeah. saw that on TV, no and I was surprised by it as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's like you know you're in for you know you're in for there a rough go. ride. There's his, there's his film. Scroll up and down, see if there's anything you like in there. No, see, this is what I'm talking about, right? Oh man, I mean, look at these films. Cop this man. is good radio. Jackie, it? Jackie Brown, that's good. Yeah, Jackie Brown's a good movie. Bit long. Ronan's quite good. Yeah, Ronan is a good movie. Then yeah. it goes a bit. Analyze this flawless. The Adventures of Brocky and Bullwinkle. Men of Honor, which is awful. Meet the Parents, which I hate. Fifteen minutes is awful. The score is that oh, dreadful film. What's the score so, with with Marlon Brando when he was uh, Edward Norton. Yeah. Me, me and my friend oh. uh, Will went to the cinema when I back when I was still working at the cinema. I think. And we had the whole screen to ourselves. I've never been so grateful. We spent the whole film hollering at the screen. It's awful. The way American audiences do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you go to an American movie, like a movie with an American audience, they will hoot and holler all the way through the film. Really? It's astonishing. Is it like uh, like that scene in Scary Movie? When they're like, you're going to get stabbed. And they're like, Literally stabbed. like that, yes. <laughs> Literally, they, they hoot and holler all the way through the film. I don't know how anyone can enjoy a film in an American cinema. So, But we were watching the score. It is, it's where Edward Norton plays like a sort of handicapped guy, but he's not really handicapped. Isn't that primal fear? No. Oh. No, Edward Norton plays a guy who's pretending to be like special. Working in that bank vault, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's, so it's Edward Norton arguing an acting tour de force yeah. <laughs> as a, a a fake disabled oh, person. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's marginally offensive. But anyway, he's working as like a sweeper, a cleaner in this thing. But he's actually doing it so he can scatter the location. Recon, yeah, yeah. And then he's got old Brando and De Niro but to Brando do the heist. Was like the the blimp, wasn't he? Yes. It was, like, it was a g- absolutely it's, gigantic. It's Brando he was the most gigantic. And he was terrible as well in that. Ronan, nineteen ninety eight. There's your answer. That was well, his last. Like, that's, that's Brando in the, like the midst of trying to stop his family from falling apart. Yeah. You know, I would say Stardust is a good. No, film, but it's Th- not. That's Thirteen not, years since no, but, he made a decent movie. But in Stardust, that's not exactly like a le- leading role, is it? That's just a. And he's a, he's a support in um in Machete as well. He's only a small part. Yeah, in I that. haven't seen Machete. So. so the last like head fr- headlining movie with De Niro, where he's like running the show. Running. Ronan. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight. It's unbelievable, isn't it? So this, is, this is Robert De Niro. I know, one of the about. greatest actors who ever graced the silver screen. Hasn't done a decent movie in 13 years. What a disgrace. What about Pacino, though? It's not like he's banging him out. He's not. Pacino, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, while you're doing that, <laughs> while you're doing that, I'm going to ask Mike about Dark Souls. We were chatting about this in the office. This is the the, the new uh, the new game from the makers of Demon Souls. Yeah, on, yeah, um, piece of history exclusive. We talked about it a couple of times on the podcast. So let's not go too much into it. But yeah, there's a bang out a new trailer. The trailer looks great. I mean, it's 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 it says it, it says in the title, man, Dark Souls. It's a it's pretty dark, dark, it's, it's game, a pretty yeah. dark game. I mean, we were looking at the screenshots in the uh, in the office the other day, and perhaps one of them wasn't in. 75% darkness yeah well, one of them had a little bit of uh, colour and I was like that's that's as bright as that game's going to whole game's going to get but you and Matt are convinced this is going to be like one of the top 10 one of the, games one of the, on the, one of the top, top 10 highest scoring games of the year probably top 5 yeah. the, the Demon's Souls was one of those genuine 10 out of 10 moments you know it was like a game which which was so different so unique and felt so different to any other RPG mm. it was amazing it did things with the online space that everyone just needs to set up and take yeah. take a look because I mean the two systems and I won't, I'll gloss over them very quickly but it had the blood system where you touched a patch of blood and you saw like the last few seconds of somebody else's life yeah. and from that you could deduce like where an attack was going to come from or where a trap would, would go off and you also had a, a Twitter system yeah you, I remember reading you can just put messages those down those are cool but then there was the other system which was like when you die you can invade someone else's game in order to get your soul back and when you're alive you can join someone else's game to help them fight through the enemies so it's a really interesting approach to online how, how did it do on PS3 did great it sold yeah. a million copies which right. considering it had no marketing, marketing marketing campaign sold entirely on word of mouth is amazing yeah. you make no mistake like Atari are going to be well Namco Bandai now are really going to be pushing the sequel yeah. especially since it's on two platforms selling a million on PS3 with no advertising that's you know, they, they did real good You know, they're not going to bring it out autumn though are they and that's the danger yeah. maybe they will because if they do it's going to get murdered by Skyrim of course it will yeah. Yeah. it'll get absolutely okay. murdered by Skyrim and uh, like nobody will play it which is which would be a sad thing to happen because it's going to be a great game yeah. there's, there's, you don't get many games with a world quite as uh, like deep and rich as that you really feel like you're a part of this world the diff- extreme difficulties are part of that but it's only a small part it's uh, just a world where you always have to be like on the lookout always have to be aware of your surroundings and that makes you appreciate the world um I don't know though. I mean, this this new game is going to be even better. It's going to be even better at that because it's one seamless, cohesive world. It's a world no one's going to experience if they release it at the wrong time. This year's a, a bloodbath. I see Tim switching with Matt's phone. So what's what's up? I was just looking at uh, Al Pacino's last good film. Just it's not just good, is it? uh, just no. I'm not going to say last good film is Insomnia 2002. Yeah. So he, he's not exactly been on a red hot run of form either. No. He did do a TV really, series called Angels in America, which apparently is very good. HBO show. I haven't I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Hmm. But, uh, but last film, he did do the recruit with Colin, Colin Farrell. Though, have you seen that? Yeah, that is a hilarious that movie. Is a hilarious. <laughs> it's absolutely. Is that for all the wrong reasons? Hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of entertaining. It's like one of those solid three star films. I don't think I really understood the twist in it. I can't even remember it. I know, I, remember, I know there was a twist, but I don't remember what it was. Pacino had, like, you could see the stitch in of his wig the whole way <laughs> all through the movie. You could see where it was stitched into oh, his forehead. I like a... Uh, You're never going to get a better Pacino than you got in Glen Gary Glen Ross, though. I was just going to say, I saw that a few Your months ago. Your mama's boy. Yeah. I saw that a few months ago for the first time. That was astonishing. Yeah. Uh, it is good. Film. It's very good. Wonderful, wonderful film. That's, <laughs> well, two, well, that's, well, two, that's yeah. two wonderfuls in a row. Two for the price of one. <laughs> wunderbar, wunderbar film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, roll on with the pimping in the magazine so let's talk about some of the previews we got this issue and then we can go back and chat about some of them individually if we want so we got Elder Scrolls Battlefield 3 Rage Duke Nukem Dead Island Batman 
uh, Mortal Kombat, Fear 3, Prototype 2, and did I mention Dead Island? Yes. I did. Uh, and we got some others like Supremacy, MMA, MMA SBK, and uh, MX versus ATV. The one I thought we could have a quick chat about before we uh, go any further is Call of Juarez the Cartel. Yeah, oh, okay. Um, which, uh, okay, anyone who knows Call of Juarez will know that uh, it was a pretty good Western. I mean, it wasn't Red Dead Redemption good, yeah, but it was two, it was good. Two seven out of tens on the trot, yeah. solid, fun. From Techland, who, uh, of course, have got much... Uh, much coverage from from the Dead Island uh, trailer because they're also doing Dead Island. Um, so, I guess normal thinking, you know, marketing man thinking, would think, okay, Red Dead's done really well, yeah, really, really well. People obviously like a western, um, but maybe we're not dealing with normal marketing men because what they've done <laughs> instead is turned it into a a modern day shooter on the set around the, in and around the Mexican. Order about I, I, the Mexican drug cartels. So one of the things they said in their press release, one of the, the quotes was, "We're gonna the, the, the call of Juarez, the cartel, brings the very best elements of the Western genre to an all new setting." Now, surely the best element of the Western genre is the Western, is the Western <laughs> setting. I mean, you told me that. That's what I said it back to you. It's like there is no other great thing about it. It's that it's a Western. Yeah. There's a lot of other tropes of the genre which they can obviously exploit. I mean, there are a lot. Any film student will tell you there's a lot of other yeah. things they can exploit. And like, for example, what was that film with Bruce Willis? It was a remaking of a fist, remake of A Fistful of Dollars. Um, really? Yeah. I have uh, seen that. Yeah. Not Dead Man, Man Walking. Dead Man. No, there was Last Man Standing. Oh, Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing. Yes, yes, yes. So Last Man Standing was a remake of Fistful of Dollars. It was a Western set in the 30s. Yeah. So it had all the Western tropes. Uh, you know, Lone Stranger, right? Well, he walks into town. He's got a town run by corruption. The police got no control and so mm. on. And he basically takes them down with, you know, Tommy Gun style. And it was like, you know, so you can totally do a modern day Western. There's a few modern day Westerns. I mean, like, I but, guess you could argue stuff like um, some of the Coen Brothers stuff is Oh, is definitely. Quite, you know, yeah, definitely. So you can do it. You can do it. But, well, after, like, you know, video games don't lead, they follow. Generally speaking, they don't lead anywhere. They always follow. And you'd think after Red Dead, everyone would be like, oh, wow. We, we're we're, perfectly, yeah, we're yeah. perfectly set to follow. That's a weird thing. We've got... This is the third game. These guys are absolute experts at making these games now. They've got a great engine as well. Yeah. Brilliant And, engine. and Call of Juarez 2 was such a big step up on the first one. The third one's like absolutely set to be a really great game. So what have they done? They're set in Gangster Town with... Look at these idiots. Look at them. <laughs> You've got like old grizzled guy. So who's, uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much of the mag, but when I was, when I was final checking the, uh, the, our Call of Juarez... Preview. I couldn't. I couldn't help but laugh at uh, Will Porter, who's the guy who wrote it for us. He's one of our freelancers. I couldn't help but laugh at his uh, his his box out about the characters. So Eddie Guerra is a DEA agent. Oh, I'm having trouble speaking today. Oh man, Eddie Guerra is a DEA agent who get this breaks all the rules. He's a show off. He's a gambler, and he takes risks. Eddie Guerra would do anything to close a case and bust the bad guys. You do not mess with Eddie Guerra and he's, he's capitalised all these things next one Kim Evans is the starlet of the FBI she's smart and she's feisty she's no damsel in distress though she's an ambitious lady and she hates crime her brother is a gangster so he'll likely feature in the storyline this dame just hit boiling point point. <laughs> and then the last one 
Ben McCall is a cop who went over the edge because he was so hard-boiled. He hates crime too, but also wants revenge. He's related to the previous game's Ray McCall, so quotes Bible scripture and shootouts. Oh. So there's <laughs> that's basically uh, there, there's your cast oh of dear. throwaway cliches we've seen a million times before. That's right. It's just, just such a bizarre. It's just why? a bizarre decision, isn't it? I mean, I don't know why they would do it. Who knows? I mean. They, yeah, like, I'll, tell you you what, I'll tell you what happened. I guess we've been in development for like probably two years now. Here's what happened. Some marketing man went to Techland, some Ubisoft guy, some suit, went to uh, Techland and were like, hey, last two games you made that you've done have been really well. We, we published them over in America and, uh, and in Britain. And they did really well. We did really well for us. But we think they can do better. And here's how. And gave them a big list of things, modern day setting. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, all these like characters and all that. And they were like, oh, okay, well, I guess we could do that. And they, get, they set to work on it, then read Dead was like is that the biggest yeah. game of last year. That's oh, what that's what happened. Is that they because I mean Juarez always did okay. Yeah, they didn't do amazing, yeah. but and I think that that Red Dead was just marketed in a in a really sort of cle- clever way. It was very uh, iconic and kind of like they they really played on the whole like you say the the staples in the Western genre, yeah. the Lone Stranger, you know the and you know it helped that it looked the bomb and what have you, but. These games have always done okay, but never near that. And, and so what's happened, like you say, someone's coming and go, the Western yeah, doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. It's no good. Nobody yeah. wants Westerns. Everybody hates Westerns. This, they're, they're, they're box office poison. The stupid thing is... And Kevin Costner's like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just making this film over here. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty well positioned anyway to follow on from Red Dead because you still had moments where it's a big open world I mean you had moments in Juarez too where you had the levels were just these giant free roam areas we're all just, we're all just mauling the pronunciation of Juarez at the moment aren't yeah. we we're all, all three of us I'm finding it difficult to get out actually uh, so, uh, I've got a nose full of snot Juarez Juarez I sound like Gem again <laughs> it's coming back the so. thing is though is that, is that you know shows like um, like the Shield, for example, have, have, have covered this kind of area, you know, the border area, the cartels, and what have you. But on on TV, it, it kind of you can, even though it's very familiar ground, you can kind of you can kind of make those work just through superior writing and acting. But in mm. in 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 games, you know, this this sort of like cars blowing up and tough guys and all that it just doesn't yeah, so work the Michael well. Chiklis crash from the shield in a video game would be awful yeah he's a cop on the edge he's dangerous and he breaks all the rules but yeah. he gets the job done he's got a big heart you're like oh god yeah. when you've got someone who's really good like really as talented as Chiklis doing it, like, you know, doing it and someone like Sean Ryan writing it yeah. like, you know you've got you can do a really rounded interesting character mm. And it, it it works in that situation, but when you when you got a video game, whereas and I kind of subscribe to what Danny Bilson was saying, which is like the last thing I want to do when I'm watching a movie is play a video game. So why would I ever want to watch a movie uh, yeah. watch a movie while I'm playing the game? Yeah. And the only way you can get characters like that, really sell characters like that in a game, is with that kind of that panning out that, those cutscenes and so on. And I, it's not it's not what I want from a game, to yeah. be honest. And just before we leave uh, Juarez. This I gotta say, this guy, this Guerra, this the artwork we got in it. I mean, the guy looks like such a schmo, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like the most unlikable guy in the world. Look at him; he's like, "Hey, look at me." Nobody wants to play as guys like that. No, nobody wants to pretend to be that guy. I like, just, I just think it's it's hard. It's hard to, um, it's hard to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> it's hard to, um, to, to make people like that work. I think you know. I mean, there, there are a history of. A, a rich history of, of anti-heroes in gaming just as there are in, in films and stuff but 
I mean, an anti-hero has, has got to be has got to have something instantly that you can kind of cling on to with him, even if he does bad things, you know, for good reasons or whatever. Whereas this guy, I just instantly hate him having looked at him. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, he just looks like the world's biggest tithead. <laughs> there you go sorry about it sorry about that uh, tech land didn't mean to uh, completely dismantle your game I'm sure uh, having said all that I'm sure that it'll be you know, well the other two were good shooters so yeah. it's probably going to be it probably will fun, be yeah. it probably will be fine but I just think I just think we're, we were all very surprised and slightly disappointed about the change yes. in direction you know that's, that's Have you? did you chat about Skyrim on the last one um, <clears throat> I don't know it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Let's chat about Skyrim then, because um, we've got all the we've got tons of shots. And you were here for the last one. It was when I was talking about Cain Lynch too. Oh yeah, which I've now finished, by the way. Oh, and by the way, someone and I'm sorry I can't remember your name. Uh, I do check the Facebook page a lot because mostly you know I'm updated and stuff, and I can't remember what his name was. But some guy said he went out and bought it on the strength of your recommendation, and it, we got it for three pounds. Yeah, it's pretty good. It was it was up for two pounds eighty six on Steam. Really? As well. so for, maybe for, that's for couple, where he got it from. For then. a couple of days. And I finished it now. I won't go to go talk about it too much because I pretty much described it last time. You run along, you shoot, you murder a lot of people. Mm. But it, it's really good. Absolutely one of the, the tightest, most polished games, I think, of all of last year. So it doesn't, it doesn't do, it's not gimmick laden, it doesn't do a lot of clever stuff, but what it does, it does absolutely brilliantly. So what did people not, you know, because people, you know, critics and and. To an extent, commercially, people just didn't get on board. I've with got it. two theories about that. One is that the characters ain't exactly the most likable yeah, guys, I but I think actually they are. I, I genuinely think they, they're awful dudes. They're awful fools. But you kind of you do want them to get out of this. They are in a situation that is like the 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 punishment that's being heaped upon them isn't equal to the the mistakes they've made. You know, mm. so you still kind of want to get them out of it. I think that's part of it. But I also think that it's the most gimmick resistant shooter I think this come out this generation. It's there's no clever gimmick. Just straightforward. It's shit. just absolutely cold, brutal. Like when you when you shoot someone in the head, you're not getting any like big explosion of blood. You're not getting a big reward for it. And, you know, you're not shooting bits off of anyone. People die and they die ugly and they fall down and it's it's just a a I big thought, old I mess. I thought the old pixelated thing was a quite nice little gimmick actually. I think that yeah. is quite cool, yeah. If you get a headshot I guess that is the, game, the, the game's gimmick is the whole YouTube yeah, style, yeah, yeah, style yeah. presentation and I think that really works for it and made it really... It's a game which is kind of designed to be ugly and I think a lot of people kind of I think a lot of critics didn't have that sort of production values kind well, of yeah I'm not even sure I, I think a lot of critics sort of just didn't get that so much of what they thought was bad was actually designed in mm. like for example the guns are in, inaccurate and indiscriminate but if you play it for a while you realise that a blown of indiscriminate fire will make every enemy get their head down the enemies are really reactive they will always drop their head when bullets go near them so the point is when you're a long way away with an Uzi and you can't sh- kill someone, the point is you machine gun near them, then you close the gap. Well, they've got their head down, you close the gap, you get closer. They get popped their head up again, you, you, you get them to put their head down with another burst of fire. You close the gap again, you just keep on getting closer and closer. You often haven't got the weapon you need, but you've always got the space to do your job. You know, you've always got the space to close the gap, get up close. The violence in Cambridge 2 is meant to be up close and personal. Mm. I have absolute faith. I were a really talented bunch, you know, and we sort of lost faith in them in the last couple of years, if, if only because they haven't produced the game we've been waiting for them yeah. to produce. But um, I think it really bodes well for the next Hitman game because mm. every single decision they made making Kane and Lynch is they made for a reason. 
Every single thing that game does, it does for a specific purpose. Like, and when you you'll, you'll get to parts in that game, you're like, well, for me, I was like, my God, this game is so so streamlined. Everything is built for an absolute purpose. Whether and sometimes that purpose is like to shock you. Sometimes that purpose is just to be exciting. Sometimes that purpose is just to convey like what these Kelly's guys are. But like the game never shows you anything it doesn't need. It's like, you know, what we all say is like about a movie or something. Yeah, with a movie, you don't add stuff. You cut stuff yeah. out until you have as little movie as you can and still get the point across. And that's how you make a good movie, you I, know? I was actually going to make that's what Kane Lynch an is. analogy, actually, because it sounds to me a little bit like the kind of difference between watching a show like Lost and watching a show like um, The Sopranos. Now, Subtractive and additive, right? Yeah, I watched... Lost is additive. Lo, lo, well, not just that, but, but Lost is... You watch Lost and like the emotional scenes, the scenes where people die and all that kind of stuff, it is very like violins and it's all oh, very yeah, sad and pro- prolonged and kind of... There's uh, always a montage. Emotive. Whereas with The Sopranos, when and, and a lot of HBO series actually, but, but when a major character dies, it's boom, dead. And you don't get any time to kind of... Get used to the idea. Yeah. You know, I just remember watching the last season of The Sopranos when it all went horribly wrong. Oh, have you not seen it? No. Oh, right, okay. I, well, I, can't, really, I can't really talk about it, but... Everyone's seen The Sopranos yeah, at this point. Yeah, no, it's too late. Cover your ears. When um, all the, the major characters are starting, it's all going horribly wrong, and the major characters are getting killed off at the end. And one character in particular, Pellet, is, gets killed. And just You've been within the whole journey, hmm. and his death is like that. It's there. It's, he's there one minute, he's gone the next, and they don't linger on him, he's just gone. And that, to me, sounds a little bit like Kane and Lynch, you know? It's like, there's no... Like you say, there's nothing... It's, it's a, I don't want to use the word realistic, but it's almost like a very sort of true to life, I guess. You know, bang, bang, bang. It's, it's Like you say, it's dirty, it's nasty. I always remember being in the cinema watching Serenity <clears throat> and the bit where they've just had this big escape they managed to see I'm about to watch that so that you really yeah. I'm about to start watching Firefly oh man well you went on at me to watch it's Firefly for all this time so uh, I, I, I didn't hear what Tim said but I, I got the gist that it's someone you've been with for a long time yeah you've gone with their journey and, then, and stuff through Firefly you're with obviously this bunch of characters throughout and then you, this film Serenity comes out years later you finally closure you find out what happens and there's <clears> a particular scene in that which people who've seen it will understand the one I'm pointing to you're watching it at the cinema you're like yeah it's brilliant it's more the same bam and it just like takes the window oh, I think that's great though I think that's it, how it, it should be it's one of the best yeah. moments you but, know. Uh, it I mean you've both, you both seen The Wire yeah last season The Wire yeah yes. yeah. like when Omar you know like you've been with him you know you've grown to really love Omar for all his yeah. for all his faults and and what have you but I mean there's that scene where he gets killed and it's at just the, like it's just, no, it's, it's, no, nothing. It's, it's just cruel it's yeah. just well, the back well, of the head well, bang they, he's down on the they, floor and that's it I think they did two things to make that even more shocking one they made a kid like a nobody yeah. character kill him it wasn't like the big bad boss or like a corrupt policeman it was just like someone who you've never really seen before and the other thing was I think when he was in the morgue and they got the tags mixed up mm. it's just like uh, no one oh, really yeah, cares no one even right, cares yeah. like, no one we, we cares care so much about yeah. him but he's like well see I wrote a few things on Twitter about Kane Lynch which I'm going to just refer to as I just wrap up on this thing so I said this kind of like pathologically single-minded. There's no squad, squad commands, no grenades, no collectible shit, no driving sections. It's just nothing but two days of relentless murder for these guys. And I think that's what critics kind of reject. They, they're used to games where it's like there's lo- gimmick-laden, loads of stuff, you know, like lots of different things to do on every level, things to collect, things to play with. 
all kinds of squat, you know, where you have to go and bail your buddy out of problems, like lift him up off the ground, that kind of thing. That's that's what critics are used to, and it's it's not there in Kane and Lynch. It's definitely a stripped down game, and I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to spend like fifty quid on it, but you could spend ten pounds on it and have a really really good couple of days with it. It's sort of one of those games, I guess, that it only takes one person like you to kind of come back and say, actually, do you know what? It's good for these reasons. And, and actually, you know, the reasons... I, I, when we had it in the office, I looked at it and I thought, I don't fancy this game at all. But now you've talked to me about it and mm. really, you you know, eulogised about it, I'm like, I quite fancy this. I, I sort of might quite, you know, give it, go back and give it a go. And hopefully, you know, this guy who went out and bought it again, sorry, I can't remember your name. It's good. I mean, because it's... This is, sometimes it's the best bit about being a gamer is just finding these... yeah. And you're surprised. Like, for ages, I was like, yeah, I don't really care about that. It's all, all these people I respect said it was no good. Mm. So I was like, well, I'm not going to even bother playing it. I played, I think I played like half of the first level. And I was like, meh, you know, I'm, I'm cool not never to play that. And when I sat down with it, it's just great. Yeah. And it sounds so good. And that's the thing. When, like, the game is, the, what my evidence for it being design decisions rather than like designing competence are the little things like the way how very quickly bad guys get their head down. And I talked about on the last podcast, the tightening reticule. Like most shooters, when you zoom in with the left trigger, the reticle gets smaller mm. uh, over a range. So you, you, you get a much tighter point to aim with. That doesn't happen in Kane Lynch because they want the guns to be indiscriminate. They want them to be random because the more random they are, the more likely is an uh, innocent bystander will catch a bullet. That will happen sooner or later because guns, just like they are in real life, are cruel. They're indiscriminate. They're mean. Mm. And they're being handled by two people who are just fools yeah. and then there's like the sound is so precise in that game when someone's reloading on the other team on the, you know, on the other side you know they're reloading you hear that reload happening and that's your cue to move because mm. that's the one time they're not going to be firing at you Just little things like that really show that Aya were absolutely thinking about the tiniest things I think because they were thinking about so, so many small things in such detail it didn't leave a lot of room for like the usual big gimmicks and so on it's a, it's a gimmick-free shooter, and that's a rare thing. I keep on saying, yeah, okay, but it's give it a go, man. Yeah, it's like, I guess... I, I, bet, guess, I bet you could get it for six quid on eBay. Yeah, I guess perhaps one of the reasons it didn't really stick with people. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it did all right, but uh, maybe didn't sort of resonate with people as <clears> much is, is because it does have that very sort of low-budget kind of feel to it, you know? It's a better piece of writing than anyone gives it credit for as well. Yeah. Um, because... And I'll probably do is I'll tweet the link to the thing I wrote about it on our on our feed. But it's a, a really good piece of writing because, I mean, they're not, they're, it's not it's not talking about brilliant dialogue here. But the fact is, at the beginning of every mission, it's very it's made very clear what Kane and Lynch want, and every single thing they do in that mission is a step towards the thing they want. It's always it's, and that's the thing in video games. I said this in my Bulletstorm review. In video games, action should action shouldn't be a slave to the plot. Mm. In a movie, action should always be a slave to the plot. Like in a movie, the, um, the plot should be going one way, and when the plot warrants an action sequence, we should bring one in. You know, that's that's when it's time. To, like if you watch the uh, first Matrix movie, mm. it's great because every action sequence happens because it has to happen. Yeah. When Neo is in the situations he's in and he has to fight someone, it's because he has to. Mm. When you watch the other Matrix movies. The sequels are just CG porn. It's just, no it's just a load of action sequences with a plot to justify it. Yeah. But the thing is, video games work best when it is just a load of action sequences with a plot to justify it. Yeah. Because video games should always be driven by action. Kane Lynch is. Mm. Which is why it's a pretty decent bit of writing. Because mm. when 
and I said this in the book again, the bullet storm review, which you'll read in the issue you got on shelves right now. Um, when action exists to service the plot in a video game, you spend four hours in a big brown cave in Gears of War 2. Mm. Like, so, I mean, obviously, okay, you've got to go and rescue Dom's wife. Well, instead of being a slave to the plot and making it so they kept her in this underground cave, which is all brown and miserable, let's just have, let's just have the, the locusts keep her in a brilliant-looking forest or yeah. something. Yeah. And you're like... And, and it's just plot guy. Go ahead and fucking give me an excuse for it. Yeah. You, you writer guy, go and give me an excuse so I can set this level in a beautiful place where I can do exciting things and have really cool things happen to Marcus Phoenix in that instead of setting a big cave. Do you think there's a... Do you think that comes about because developers are feeling increasing pressure to to make you know because we constantly hear and it's constantly i mean i read something about it this morning how games don't have good you know as good storylines as films or they're, they're plotting it and, and they feel such pressure to deliver kind of emotive emotional uh, complex storylines that they that it comes at the expense of the game. I think I think that that may that may well be part of it. I think they feel obliged to <clears throat> justify everything. Uh, part of my cynical side just thinks that it's sometimes easy to churn out these moments in games to write it. So, uh, I mean, what Mike's saying is every single level should be you know astonishing, and I, I totally would agree with that. But that's and a big I'm challenge. They have to be a spectacle or anything. They just have to. It have, has to be some way like you want to. Yeah, it has to, yeah. Has yeah to be the, the, the story should like made with story should just make up a reason for you to be somewhere good. You know, somewhere worth being a world be worth being a part of. You know? I think. I think. To be honest, my cynical side saying, well, to pad out some of these games, they need to take the easy route for one or two levels. They need to set it in freaking grey brown caves or brown brown fields I think it's worth pointing out, out. It's, it's equally likely that video games just aren't any good for telling a story mm. when, 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 when's a video game ever told a great story it hasn't happened I don't think it ever will there's never there's never going to be a gone with the wind yeah. from video games there's never going to be a good it's not even going to be a good the bad and the ugly which is an action movie an action mm. western it's like there's never no one's ever going to do that I guess the problem is that inherently you know they're different aren't they mm. films and, and video games and because, even when you build a video game even when you build a video game that's just about telling a story, like Heavy Rain, uh, PS3 exclusive Heavy Rain, when you, if, you, if you, all you want is a game which tells a story, well, people are saying like Heavy Rain is, oh yeah, it's like a Hollywood movie. Well, congratulations, you've just played the worst movie Hollywood's ever made. Mm. Like that's, oh, it's like oh, you got the horror with the heart, and you've got, you know, the, 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 the washed up PI, and you've got the uh, the driven like FBI dude, and you've got the angry cop who's all up in his face. It's the cheesiest movie. Like that is a movie that Robert Dinner would star in right now. <laughs> He'd love he, it. He would love it. He would be in that film in a second. Love and, it's, and that's like if if that is the, as good as game storytelling gets, and ask a lot of critics, and they'll tell you it is. Then we're in trouble, man. Mm. If you if if anyone ever thinks games are going to be a great way of telling a story, then they're in trouble. Fact is, games are a great way of telling action. Mm. You, know, you like a movie can't touch a video game for action. Let's focus on that. I mean, they can tell a story, but not story in the perhaps in the sense that we we sort of imagine it to be. You know, it's not a story in like a a dialogue driven, you know, like acting story, but a story. You know, uh, it can have a narrative. It can well, it can it can tr it can train you, but you know, take you on a train journey. Absolutely. Between, well, a really, a really good talk at E3 was uh, was sort of about narrative in uh, not E3 GDC was about narrative in games. And they were saying, well, we're st instead of ramming stories down gamers' throats, let them make up their own stories. You know, mm. that's like when when people play Counter Strike. Sorry, I got really um my nose is just going mental right now. <laughs> 
no, excuse me. When um, people play Counter Strike, they come out of that with amazing stories. Yeah. When you play a round of Assassin's Creed online, the stories you come away with are just in- insane. What are the stories people tell you about GTA? They never tell you about what Nico did or whatever, you know, no. his character. They always tell you about the time they were fighting the police and they, a police car leapt over their head and they just missed them. And there was a massive physics bug or something. Yeah, like, that's, that's the stories. <laughs> and like, video games tell great stories, but they're stories we're creating. Mm, yeah. Like, that's, that's what video games should be, truly emergent stories. And then everyone has their own stories and then you can tell your friends, particularly when you do a job like we do, where every Everyone's playing the same game yeah. all the time. And you can come in and like, people say, oh, well, you played it this way. Well, I did this thing and it's a different story every time. That's I mean, that's how, some, that's how some games have built their, what some games have built their entire reputation on. I mean, mm. one of those games is Elder Scrolls, which we were going to talk about before, but everyone had a different story about Elder Scrolls. I think the they? difference here, though, is that in Elder Scrolls, these are all stories that were written by Bethesda for us to enjoy. Like, like the actual stories in Elder Scrolls, that part of them is you out you going out doing it in your own way yeah. it's your own personal tale that's true but what Mike's saying about assassins is that they're yeah, they're just stories okay. that we, we they are slightly Tim, but Tim's right point, it does kind of lead in sort of to lead us out of that and into what Tim was saying is kind of that is true it's like the the, the queer adventure you go on in the other Scrolls is ultimately going to be your own adventure because they offer you so much freedom exactly you've got all those different missions sure and they are scripted missions but how you tackle them or whether you even tackle them at all is so up to you you can be like the guy who was like the wild man. He just lived in the forest in Skyrim. You could be, you could be this guy who lived in the forest, hunted wolves, sold, sold pelts at the market, and while you were there, heard like listened in on what was going on and took quests based on what you heard. My, if you uh, want to be that, you'd be weird. My if you friend, did. Yeah. my friend had Morrowind, but he had a PC that wasn't quite good enough to play it. So it was something like he couldn't transition to internal environments or something. He couldn't go out of certain areas or in. So he his entire game was him being a shoe thief. He would like. <laughs> steal shoes from the corners of rooms and sell them to a fence and then fund his adventure. But so you're already doing it. That's my point, is that, you know, yeah, they are scripted, but you're already telling us a story about your mate who did who did something. Now, no, by, by, by any, you know, any open world game <coughs> is going to give you that opportunity. And, you know, I remember Mike, the first story I heard of, of him when you, when you came, when you played Red Dead was there was a horse on the roof. Yeah, that was the first story you had about Red Dead, and yeah. you and Matt chatted about it for ages. Yeah, there's a horse on a roof. Uh, I've still got a photo of that. In fact, yeah. I might even yeah. I might, we can tweet it with, along with this podcast probably. Yeah, yeah. The Cougar Woman and uh, all oh, the other that game there. was so glitchy and, and still is. That game yeah. is so so buggy. But you know, the, you you are going to get those in in open worlds, and I agree. I think it's you know with with something like Elder Scrolls. I didn't it's, care about Rockstar's story. I cared about my story. Yeah, which exactly. was, there was a horse on the roof. That's and right. That was so and loads of people have come back from from Oblivion. One, I think, mm. one of the major reasons that people loved Oblivion as much as they did is because it did give you everyone the opportunity to have a slightly different experience. Yeah. Now they might have gone on the same. They might have taken the same quest. They might mm. have taken the same, followed the vaguely the same storyline, but. But I think it gave everyone an opportunity to have a slightly different experience, and I think that's why, you know, why uh, uh, open world games, when they're done yeah. right, it's hard to match them. No, absolutely. I think I think that's the thing though about Bethesda is that they intended for that to happen. They intend like when uh, Rocks, Rockstar made GTA. I don't think they intended for everyone to have different stories. I think they have their. I mean, I think Rockstar, Rockstar are more precious about their story yeah, than Rockstar anyone are very else. set on telling the story. Rockstar are like, this is the story. You're going to eat it and you're going to like it or we'll 
blacklist you. We'll do, we'll do nothing. <laughs> we'll do absolutely yeah. nothing. Or we'll make we'll a table like tennis you. game. That's what we'll <laughs> yeah, do. That's yeah. Right. yeah, another midnight club. Whereas I think Bethesda are confident enough in the game that they make to say, right, here are all the ingredients. What you bake with it is up to There's you. There's so many missions in like an Elder Scrolls game that most people will never even see. Yeah. So many quests that a lot of people will never experience. I mean, the hours that we've wasted just... Well, it's not wasted. The hours we've enjoyed saying about, well, oh, I found this village. It was to the north of the Imperial City and everyone was invisible. And it was because there's this wizard who cast a spell on the village. It's like, really? I didn't even know that existed. And you yeah. just talk about the different things you find in the and, world. And the other thing with Elder Scrolls, I think, is that even e- even for people who like for me and also hoodie I'm thinking of here our editor hoodie who have who 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 really I mean hoodie especially hates fantasy yeah. hates it hoodie hates everything he is, Christmas he is psyched, fantasy he is psyched about Skyrim yeah. because it does give you an opportunity to have such diverse experiences yeah. and you can do things so differently every time. And, you know, he's saying in the office the other week, I can't wait for Skyrim. It's going to be brilliant. And he hates that that's this kind of genre, you know, but he just loves the Elder Scrolls. And I mean, what a programming achievement. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Oblivion for me, Oblivion is, is a game where Easter eggs like will make my week. If I stumble upon an Easter egg in Oblivion, that is me, like the happiest I've been gaming. for. So there's a cave somewhere. I can't remember where it is. I think it might be near the main city. I don't know. And in that cave is a giant crab. Yeah, like, out of context, that doesn't mean anything. But it came out like not too long. Like it was clearly a reference to the whole Sony giant enemy crab E three cock up, and it was brilliant. Just stumbling on that, and then like making the connection, thinking that is genius. Yeah, that there, and that for that day, and some people might brilliant. not even find it. Yeah, yeah. And, well, most people won't. I mean, yeah. probably if you talk about all the millions of people who played it, probably two percent of people went through that certain path, found that very cave with that very enemy in. Because, I mean, the game world's massive. I put hundreds of hours into it. I the, didn't find out. All what this. was the thing with... You'll have to forgive me because uh, it was a long, long time ago that I last played Oblivion. But what was the thing with the mirror? There was a... Oh, uh, the painted... Is that the painting? Yeah. So there's a painting that you can go into because I think the That's artist right. is trapped within this turpentine world. That's right. Uh, and you go in and there are painted cave trolls. It's, it's a whole separate world, yeah, yeah which is yeah. all done in like this kind of cell shape. Yeah, That's right. There's only a couple of levels in it, but it's... Because that, when when Oblivion first came in, that was like the buzz in the yeah. office. I was like, have you, been to the, have you been to the picture? And everyone's like, well, no, I haven't seen it. It's like, you can go into the picture. It's yeah. amazing. I, I really like, there was one mission, again, I, I've forgotten all the cities by now, but there was one where there was a guy who'd gone missing and it's like well why has he gone missing where is he gone you have to find him and it takes you into this well and you go down into the well and it's a flooded well and you find him in there and you find out that he stole a ring and basically the ring he stole was the one ring essentially that <laughs> right. you know where in Lord of the Rings it becomes really heavy at times yeah. And it just, like, it weighed him down. And because he was over-encumbered, he couldn't move and he drowned to death. And so I tried to take this ring back to uh, to the owner. But as soon as I took it, I became over-encumbered and started drowning. So I had to go up back into the city, strip off naked, drop every sword, every shield, every bit of clothing, every bit of armour, and then dive in in my boxes and, and pick up the ring. And I just managed Brilliant. to carry it out. Great programming. I mean, yeah. I mean Brilliant. That, it's such a tiny little mission in the grand scheme of things, like one mission out of thousands. But I still remember, like, what was it, 2006? We're five years on. Yeah, it must and be. And that is really fresh in my memory. It's a, a 
a great part of my favourite game. What I like played. is when you go into an area and the area tells you a story, and there's going to be a lot more of that in Skyrim than ever was mm. in Oblivion. But like little things, like someone sends you off to go and look for something, and all you find is like a pile of bones. And there's no, there's, the game doesn't hammer you over the head with it. You just, you just realise, oh God, this is the guy I was looking for. This is his body, mm. you know? Mm. This is it. This is where he, he must have died here. And they do a lot of that. And there's going to be a lot of that in Skyrim because, you know, one of the things they've been really intent on is building a history for this place. Mm. So even in the recent trailer, there's like a big stone head in the forest. You're like, well, who built it? How did it get there? What was it to sell? What was it built for? What was mm. it celebrating? Um, why is it only a head? Where did the body go? And it asks all these questions it'll never answer. But it's so nice. And you've, you've got this thing, like we were talking about this in the office, you've got this thing going on like I do, where you like abandoned things. Mm. Like, there's a, a weird thing about abandonment that is just incredibly interesting, like old train stations, yeah. uh, train yards, things which have just been... It, humans were there once, they built this great thing up, and then they just left it to nature. Mm. It, 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 it stopped being yeah. worthwhile, and they stopped using it, so they left it. And you said for your new book, you, mm. you researched quite a lot of like, yeah. train stations and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, I really i am excited by even like virtual manufactured versions of that, where you go into a place... Where they say, oh, yeah, you, 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 when you feel like you're a pioneer in this game, like you're the first person to ever stumble across that thing, that's a really exciting feeling. Yeah, it is, definitely. I, I've got a feeling that if, well, if it's anything like Oblivion, <laughs> there probably will be an explanation for it, and they will tell you because there are loads of books. Mm. Oblivion had loads of books. Yeah. You just sit and read for hours if you want, and Skyrim's going to be no different. Like If you want to go and seek out the history, <laughs> you can do. I mean, we're talking about a game more richer than any other. I genuinely believe that. And it's just if you look I'm, at the Elder Scrolls lore, it's insane. I'm the frightened by Skyrim. I'm absolutely terrified of it. I'm terrified that I don't know how we're going to handle it. If it's as good as it's destined to be, like our scoring well, it's, systems it's, are relevant. Say, it's worth saying that Oblivion, when we first reviewed it, was scored in the eighties. Yeah, right? it was eighty-eight. Yeah. So we, when Matt and I came back and joined the magazine, we kind of went back to that and rescored yeah. it because it's a game which only. The average review cycle is going to be at best a week long. That's the most mm. you can spend reviewing a game. That's the nature of the business, which is why it's so hard to review RPGs. When you're looking at a game like Oblivion, where every time you plays it, it's going to have a different experience, and it's a massive game, and it's got all the usual RPG problems, plus a load more because of the sheer openness of it and the freedom of it. No, I mean, it's quite it's quite buggy, isn't it, Oblivion? <clears throat> there are bugs, well, it's, but it's. I think one of the things that the, when it first came in, because remember at that stage, we were. I mean, I know the Xbox One had it got a few patches had, sure. had its games that, that that needed patching yeah. and stuff. But uh, 360 really was where the sort of pa- whole patching thing really took off. And when you know at the start when these games landed, they, you know they were quite full yeah. of bugs, and we weren't weren't used to that. We weren't used yeah. to that as console players to have to patch stuff and to download patches and stuff. It was a very alien kind of. Absolutely. So when Oblivion came in and it had these naughty little bugs in it, yeah, it was yeah. like. Mm. See, when Skyrim comes out, I mean, look at a game. Oblivion grew so much over the first year as well. All these new quests, all these new areas, all this new this downloadable content introduced. The score just. I mean, it obviously had to be higher, but yeah. it took someone. To be playing it for a hundred hours yeah. to be able to confidently yeah. say this is as good as shit gets, you know. Yeah. In the same way that like, there's an argument to be made for like people playing the FIFA games, you know. If a lot of people didn't realise how good the FIFA games were because they were so entrenched with Pez at the time, yeah. and that was a funny thing. It took EA literally coming to the office and saying, "Here, play this. Please play. It. Here's how you play it to break the cycle of people playing Pez all the time." Funnily enough, we were. Uh, 
I, I went out for, for lunch with a, a couple of people and, and, and we were talking about this at lunch, the, the whole, because one guy said, oh, I still play Pez, you know, and I said, oh, right, okay. And and he said, oh, yeah, I still play Pez 6 on PS, PS2. Because he said that was, a, that was the last good Pez. And he said, it's just really, really amazing. I was like, have you played FIFA? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. I was like, how can you sit there and play, play <laughs> Pez? You know, it's just like, it seems such a such a step miles step back you know and and but you're right until uh, until EA actually placed it in our hands we would have been quite happy to play Pe- I mean Pez 6 was good for the time but we would have been quite happy to continue it's playing worth Pez seeing, we tell our listeners now the industry was such a Pez oriented industry in, in the UK it was yeah that EA ended up organising tournaments yeah for FIFA tournaments for games and I was one of those people as well I was one of those zealots yeah and just just to get people to play it yeah. just to get people to actually give it a chance yeah and it did it's like it was it. the industry was I mean just built around Paris yeah it was and not just journalists it's worth saying it, uh, games like makers too yeah if you ever you chatted to develop any UK developer if you went and chat to the guys making Tomb Raider like Core which we were doing back then but if you chat to any big game developer in the UK, what game do you play at lunch? Pez. Yeah. Oh, every lunchtime is Pez. It's like running on every machine there. And EA really had to go out of the way just to get people to try in a new FIFA. Yeah. It's not about, like, bribing anyone. You didn't have to bribe anyone. They just had to convince you to try it. Mm. And the only way they could think to do that was to say, all right, let's, let's throw a tournament. Mm. And yeah. they did. It, it totally worked. I mean, for, for years, EA were the boy who cried wolf like, every year. We've done it, guys. Yeah. We've got a Pez beater. FIFA 2000 comes out. It's shite. Mm. Yeah. This year, guys, we've got it. We've got the Pez Beta. Fifty-one, two thousand one comes out. Crap. Yeah. Two thousand two, roll it through. And you know, how many times do you like buy into it and think, no, honestly, you, you're not. You're never going to do it. You're never going to break that magic formula. You're not going to get it. But they finally did, yeah. and eventually, eventually, people got on. And Pez still outsells FIFA in Japan. Really? Yeah. Mm. Tim, you uh, wrote down just then. Uh, are we allowed to talk about something? Uh, I've just checked my emails. I, I've been quite. I've been logging onto my emails. I can talk about it. Okay. This podcast oh, that's is going good. out on Friday. That's Friday good. the eleventh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can talk about it. That's good. So we'll move from Elder Scrolls to another big autumn game, <coughs> which is Batman. Another game I'm scared about how we're going to score because this is uh, this is. So good Matt, you saw it on Tuesday, Wednesday. Yes. I don't know what day Tuesday. we are. Wait, Thursday. Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. Um. So <coughs> we saw the GDC demo. Um, which it should be said is basically the same demo <coughs> that was originally shown to some journos last year uh, when they revealed the game, although we picked up on a few things that I don't think anyone else have really realised how important they are, which we'll be writing about in our next issue. Um, the game is looking stunning. It's it's Arkham Asylum, but in an open world, but not just any open world. So GTA has got an open world, but you walk around the streets of GTA and there's not really that much to see. Then there may be the old gag like on a shop sign or something. There's a lot of copy and pasting going on, a lot of bland environments. Arkham City seems to me <clears throat> to be the densest game environment you could possibly imagine, like much more so than than the asylum was. So the island still had mo- had areas where there's patches of grass you just run past and you don't really worry about what's there but in Arkham City like the streets are really narrow they're really close together it's like a spider web city but in every street there's something going on there are different enemies they're talking you can creep up behind them listening what they've got to say you can use a uh, the cryptographic oh what's it called the 
sequencer, yeah. sequencer to tap into radio channels and and listening on what people say. Uh, you've got telephones so you can answer and go off to do side missions. You've got the Riddler trophies. They're back, but obviously they're dotted about an entire city now. You've got an upgraded black back claw that lets you grab these trophies from afar. So whereas before, it was quite simple to find most of the trophies, you just go over and pick them up. And now you've got traps whereby if you get too close, the traps clamp shut. So you have to stand far back quite a far, far way back and use this back claw to grab them and uh, what that's allowed rocksteady to do is is place these collectibles in really devious locations so you have to be s- stood like on the edge of a certain building looking in a certain direction you know upwards perhaps and then you'll spy a collectible that you can then use your tools to grab um what we saw of the actual the game the, so wait, the wait combat- a minute With, when you say open world i mean it doesn't sound like an open world i mean what? It's still got the Metroid structure. Yeah, it's right? still, it's still. You no, know, you're still yes sort of funneled no. through so, the. So, I, I, I fielded this question to to the guy from Rocksteady. Essentially, what he said is the city is open from the start. You can go anywhere that's uh, open, that's overground. That you've got the sky above you. The Metroidy elements come into play purely in internal locations. Apart from maybe a few, there maybe be a few. Uh, big like the chemical plant or something will have a some area you can't access unless you've got a certain gadget but the actual city itself they're not going to stop you from going anywhere apart from just inside certain buildings right so when i say it's an open world i mean the actual streets the gotham city streets right you can use your grapple claw to get up to wherever you want to fly to wherever you want and the purpose of that presumably is to a to hone your skills and and be for collectibles, you know, tro- you the trophies. Rack up a lot of XP. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and there are a lot of, uh, they're saying like dynamic side quests coming out of the city. So uh, if you uh, sat on a building, you look down, there are some people beating up. Um, what's the what's the journalist guy? I've got it written down in my notepad um, over in the office. There's a, a journalist who's been thrown into the asylum because he was um, reported, he was writing bad stuff about um, one of the villains. And he's been beaten up by by a gang. So you go down, you rescue him. Uh, he gives you a side mission off the back of it. You're right. rescuing him. But while you do that, you can interrogate one of the bad guys to find out the location of Riddler trophies. So you'll be coming across these situations where if you intervene, there'll be missions stemming off of them. So you've got this big environment where at different points throughout the story, so um, you're in the city from the very first minute you can go anywhere. But obviously, every side mission isn't going to be open to you to begin with. You go off, you do a couple of hours story, you come back and there are going to be more things going on in the environment. The Joker's goons might have taken over more territory from Two-Face's goons. And off the back of that, the expanded Joker territory will have more Joker missions in those zones. So so how how big is this city, you know, how... They're saying it's well. They're saying the game because you don't. Is five I mean, you times. don't want it too big, do you? Otherwise, no, it's I mean, kind of. They're saying the game the sort of um, betrays the brilliant thing about the first yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, the first. I really enjoyed the linearity. Of the first yeah, game. I so did, did everyone well. else. I mean, yeah. I thought one of the really cool things about Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum and, and the island was that wherever you are, you could get to pretty much anywhere else you want. Yeah, quite pretty easily. quickly, and with a couple of routes, you could go via the sewers, you know, where past Killer Croc lives, or you can go over ground or through certain buildings and side tunnels. 
Um, there's, they're pitching the game world as five times bigger than, than the island. Now, we saw literally two internal locations, and they were pretty small. They were very small locations. Right. In fact, we saw inside a courthouse, which was a few rooms, and we saw inside a medical faci- uh, facility, which was not really that much bigger. And there will be some massive internal Im- environments like the first game. Uh, the actual city, they didn't really show us the map. So I can't tell you, we, we only saw a, a kind of a linear strip of the city, but it seems uh, bigger. It, it, first of all, it's an entire load, uh, it's a loading free environment. Uh, and it, see, I don't, I don't want to put a figure on it. It's definitely bigger than the whole island. Oh yeah, I just want, I'm just, you know, um, like you, I enjoyed the linearity of the first one yeah. because I liked being funneled through. A little bit, you know, yeah, because I like being sent on an adventure. Yeah, you know? I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I like open world games to an extent. But I do, you know, something like you know, go back to the days of San Andreas. We were talking about this in the office yesterday. You know, it was just too big. Yeah, you know, I know that Batman's not going to be that big, and it doesn't have that level no. of choice <laughs> anyway. But you know, I, I don't want them to 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 take away what I enjoyed so much about the first game. You know? No, you're still going to have the the Metroid aspects on the inside, but on the outside, I think. The the message they're trying to communicate is that it's open if you want it to be. It's still, I mean, the whole game is still as directed and as like you go here, go here, go here for the main quest as it always was. That's not going to change. You're not going to be in a situation where you're like, right, you've you've caught, you know, you've rescued Catwoman. Now complete ten side quests to get enough XP to unlock the next bit. There's none mm. of that. There's no inflation of the story of the and of course you can start the game with what you ended the first one with yeah so, you, so Batman begins the, so it's set I think it was 18 months after the first game finishes uh, you don't have the bullshit Metroid aspect where Samus is in a crash or whatever and yeah. she loses all her gear Batman still has all his gear throughout the game though uh, you're going to be getting upgraded gear which will let you access and so what have they done there? They just made the enemies ultra powerful then. No, because I mean he's 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 gonna at the end. Most people who finish Arkham Asylum are gonna have a pretty pretty roided pretty, up Batman. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty powerful. Well, one thing they've been very careful to say they haven't kept the same is the actual character upgrade. So they, you've got the gadgets that you finished Arkham Asylum. Oh, right, with. but, but not there were the, two there were two things that played. Right. Okay. So you would gain XP by doing things, and then you could. Um, plug those back into Batman to unlock certain moves which, yeah. you, which are going to stay unlocked but you've got things where if you get a 10 combo you can then get an instant takedown so you hit I think it's B and Y or something yeah. and you instantly snap a guy's leg or something I would imagine and I say this because yeah, it, it, it was an 8, it was an eight combo and you can actually cut that in half as well you, you, if you got a perfect punch timing it would give you two combo add-ons rather than yeah. just one Um I would imagine that they are reset to a point or they're not as generous as they were at the end yeah, of the Yeah, otherwise game. it's just going to be ridiculous because um, he's out there just like... And the thing is, you have, to be, you have to introduce so many and much stuff in the first five yeah. seconds. Because, I mean, bear in mind, Batman, every direction on the D-pad, all eight directions, yeah. is another gadget. Yeah. That's a lot to teach in yeah. there. They've, they've, they've got like... Um, so we saw there were there was a gadget wheel that's it. Essentially, it was designed very different. The HUD was completely different. Um, but you had like multiple uses. So if you press it up twice, you got something different. At least that's what I could take away from the demo. In terms of the actual combat, we're talking about unlocking maybe new Batman skill sets. Or you've got like double takedowns now. Batman can grab projectiles from the air. We saw someone throwing a chair at Batman. He would pluck that out of the air and toss it back. Like These are things that you can then use uh, in the same upgrade system um, to make people... 
um, plug their XP in and unlock new moves, you've still got you've got enough new content in there in just the combat alone to keep all of the upgrades that he had in Arkham Asylum and give him a whole new skill path. And you know really stuff to make through. him like you know to make him fly better and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to be flying a lot in this game. Yeah, you're going to be. I'm sure there'll be like improved glideability or yeah. something. Um, that's that's got to be. And visually, it looks the bomb. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the first uh, game was no slouch. Yeah, no, it's 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 the density that's the impressive thing because it looks as good as the first game. Does it look a lot better? No, I don't think it does. But it's just you've got so much more going on on the screen to keep the same fidelity at you know, triple the density or whatever it is. That's an amazing technical. I feat. wonder what they'll be doing as their like scarecrow kind of the thing. big uh, like the big pointy pull yeah. rug out from under. I think yeah. they'll be doing the scarecrow thing. Yeah, Quite you think they'll just think bring him back? I think they'll bring him back. I think they'll do the same thing. They're, they're, I think they'll add to it, though. I think they'll have other um, curveball elements to Batman. I, I, think I, the I would say the thing about the first Batman is they don't repeat themselves very much, and that's the, the cool thing about it. It's not a game where they, they spend too much time repeating themselves. So I honestly don't see them doing the Scarecrow thing mm. again. I think if they do anything, it'll be something, something very different. Uh, I think... Um, one of the beauties about Rocksteady is that they, uh, for the first game, they put an embargo on the Scarecrow sections so that no one was allowed to talk about it or write about it until the game was out. Mm. Um, and it just, it was a real nice surprise for everyone when they just yeah. sat down and played the game. They were like, holy crap, there's this huge moment. I mean, the Scarecrow levels, everyone now is still saying is the best part of Batman. Arkham I mean, Sonic. This, there are so many things. All, but this is all Kojima stuff. This is all stuff that Kojima's done before in um, the Metal Gear games. You know, he, he loves these things where he like whips the rug out from under yeah. you. So just think about the stuff that Kojima's done and think about the, the kind of things Rocksteady can do mm. with their mastery of their engine. But I think know? the beauty with Arkham City is that we're not going to know until we get it in our hands mm. and you're not going to know until you get it in your hands because they're going to make sure that they keep these things secret. The amount of games that have been spoiled with excessive preview content just because people are so busy trying to sell their games, they need to. Sh- they feel that they need to show, show every you feature, the right? best thing about their game. Rocksteady were confident enough in Batman that they felt that they could hold back in this great feature and not have to sell it. Now they know that they've got a game that's going to be probably one of the best-selling games of the year and easily one of the best-scoring games of the year. The year. I think they're going to be even more secretive. There's going to be probably twice as they much that we're not going to know about. Cards no, they could not show anything until the day the game sell, comes sell out. Name alone, it's right? still going to sell millions. It's still going to get ridiculous scores. The, the great thing about those scarecrow moments was that even though I was, you know, I'm on the kind of inst- <coughs> in, the, in the industry and I'd read about it and I even read about it in, I can't remember which one of you reviewed it, but your review. And yeah, that's me. When I came to play Batman, that first scarecrow moment where you go into the morgue and he's yeah. like that. The, it's when the, they it's when they swap the scenery behind you. Yeah, they, 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 you, you, quite, you turn around and the wall's gone. Yeah, it's quite. Um, it was quite creepy because I was sort of playing it on my with my surround sound headphones, yeah. and and of course you got the whole experience of it then, you know. And uh, and even though I knew that I expected it at some point, and when I sensed it was going a bit weird I was like ah so this is the, the scarecrow the is moment. excellent as well you find Jim Gordon dead the camera yeah. starts yeah. tilting slightly to yeah. the left the walls start bugs start yeah. crawling out yeah. of every hole in it the wall it was brilliantly done brilliantly done yeah. you know so, so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got that but they've got the whole um, the chemical aspect now certainly the chemical plant as well but they've 
the water supply has been poisoned. There are many ways they can do it without being a, as avert as here's the scarecrow, he's going to inject you again. Yeah, I think we're going to see a similar sort of psychological trick. In and fact, they said they, as much in uh, the. I mean, of course, they got the Hugo Strange this time as well, who's not adverse to a little bit of psychology himself. So I well, don't maybe know there, whether maybe that might be um, whether they may be using. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a moment in the game where they swap you into a whole new character as well. Where they take you out of Batman and put you into Catwoman or something. It, mm. It's funny because we saw the bit where Catwoman was rescued from Harvey Dent, and just her actions alone in a cutscene, like. I, I, I find it hard to believe that... Her are too good, aren't they? Yeah, and just like the way that she uses her whip in an identical fashion to Batman using his yeah. grapple. She's, she's, like, way too, she's, she's too well developed to just be a throwaway And she's too perfect character. a character to have ignored. Because I've said, they came out and said, again, there's no multiplayer in this, it's just single player only. But she seems too fleshed out to be not, to not be used... As a playable like, I mean, that could be the rug pulling section. Yeah. The section when suddenly Bane picks up Batman, breaks his back, and throws him into the river. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know Bane's in it. And so you're, and yeah, you're like, could well, be right, yeah. well, now what? That's now, a good shout. Yeah, Catwoman rescues him. Yeah. And maybe, so, yeah, yeah. That, that could be it. Who knows? But I, I, I wouldn't be disappointed if that was what it was. No. I would like, I want them to whip the rug out from under me. Would you be like, disappointed if Bane bro broke Batman's back, tossed into the river, and then Robin <laughs> so, turns up and like, hey guys, so, I'm here to rescue the day? Or, like, how about they do a Metal Gear Solid? Too and like you know, baby the Batman the first the game's first five <laughs> minutes gets his back broken the rest of you play the rest of the game as like Robin yeah <laughs> that'd be pretty good wouldn't it uh, maybe yeah. that's why they've introduced Calendar Man because you play as uh... yeah maybe play plays Calendar Man yeah, yeah, yeah. be good so that's Batman then pretty excited about we that we were going to base this entire podcast basically around the magazine when we just like as, as a supplement to the magazine yeah, yeah. but we've kind of been talking quite a lot off track a little bit so let's um, let's just get back on track for so a little Homefront bit Homefront on the cover we got the, uh, the big first review of Homefront yeah let's talk about Homefront Matt yes uh, we, we don't want to sort of you know rain on your parade with the review we don't want to sort of cover too much but I just want you to talk a little bit about the game and a little bit because the people the, the question people want to know and I think actually we've got it on on um, we've been asked a question on on uh, f Facebook this week, and, and we should probably maybe get onto questions in a little bit. But is how does it stack up against COD and against Battlefield? I had a lot more fun with Homefront than I did with COD. That's for sure. With Black, Black Ops, Ops, you mean Black, Black Ops. Ops? Yeah. If you talk about Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare is clearly the winner. Um, but since then, I mean, there hasn't been an FPS that a traditional FPS that's come along. Uh, and has that I've sat down with and I've just had a blast from start to finish. I think Homefront's campaign let me do that partly because it's very short, which is something we address in the review. See, uh, the very definition of all killer, no filler, right? Yeah. Um, but that for me was why it was so enjoyable was there was never a moment where I'm like, man, this is this is boring it, let's go on to the next bit for, it is miserable though isn't it it's miserable but <laughs> in a good way it's, 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 so it's a very bleak so it's, ride it's basically set in in California uh, Korea Korea has occupied uh, the American western coast and you are in a band of well, more, than, more than the western coast and that's no, all, no, all the way no, to no, the no, Mississippi gone all the way to the Mississippi yeah Okay, yeah. so the western That's side. Just two-thirds of America. Um, yeah. And, uh, and you play in a band of uh, guerrilla fighters, essentially trying to take the fight back to the Koreans. Uh, the American army and the military is on the back foot, but through your actions you can maybe not turn the tide in their favour, but give them a helping hand, give them a fighting chance mm. as they try to resist the Korean occupation force. 
So it's a very different type of warfare that you get from the battlefields or the Call of Duties or the Medal of Honors because you're not these, you know, all powerful Marines. You're just a guy with a a machine gun that you've picked up from a dead soldier. Yeah, I mean that's have... quite that's quite refreshing in a way. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, and for me that was it was really nice to play a game like that where I was running out of ammo, ammo every five minutes for the gun that I had, and there wasn't ammo d- dumps that I could resupply. So I had to go and pick up a new weapon from another dead soldier. You're and I was with constantly, you got coming yeah. down, constantly right? cycling my weapons. DIY thinking, combat. Crap! I've got twelve bullets around, but I know that I've got twelve bullets left. But there's thirty people ahead. I, mean, I need a new gun. The, I guess the the only danger with that is is having a a, a guy who's just a schmo, yeah. you know, who you you don't kind of have any sort of relationship with beyond being the. Th- Person that he does, shoots he does the Gordon Freeman thing, right? He doesn't actually talk. Yeah, he, he's a silent guy. But I'll be honest, him, I've not had a relationship with any first-person no, character I guess you're right, since yeah. Master Chief. I yeah. mean, Call of Duty goes out of its way so much to to tell a compelling story. And to be honest, I'm lost. Like Black Ops, I didn't know who I was, where I was. Well, it's because it jumps what, around so what, much. Well, it? yeah, that's the thing. And in Homefront, it never jumps once. You play as the same guy from start to finish in a pretty. Uh, pretty small area you're just in a city and this you know the surrounding it's just locales. a really solid shooter it's like the guns yeah. feel good the enemies put up a good fight and the places you're fighting them in are really interesting yeah it's, it's you don't fight in the typical desert in caves the snowy base that you fought in every four you know the past four years and all the other shooters you're just fighting in you know some apartment blocks a few shops uh, a ranch down the street, you know, surrounded by some fields. I mean, that's it's whole, quite nice. I mean, that's the whole point of the game, I guess. Yeah, and they make some the horror is at home. Oh, wonderful. And they make some the, great set pieces the, around the those. The horror is the thing they're, they're massively heavy handed with. Yeah. It really is the old magical misery tour. Every war crime that can be perpetrated <laughs> gets perpetrated. The old through, head on sticks. The old head on a stick, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, old, uh, the old mass graves. Every, every, every possible atrocity that could be committed gets committed in the five hours of home yeah. front. Just to underline that the, what's scumbags you're dealing yeah. with like, yeah um, these guys I mean like, I think you put in your review they are the most evil that's how I kick off my review like you never want to kill anyone as much as you want to kill the Koreans in Homefront because <laughs> no. they're just the worst people not the Koreans in the real world no, in no, Homefront in, in Homefront like oh my the god they, they 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 if it's like heinous and unspeakable they're, they're, they're loving yeah. it. They're loving it. They're, they're, they're right at right the front of the queue. So I had a, a real blast with it. I mean, it's funny, actually. The game starts and you think, well, oh, this is a bit ugly. But then it gets on, like, as you go through, you think, my goodness, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it's such this, there's such a transition from the opening few minutes. What, graphically, you mean? Yeah, oh, right. just graphically and, art- and artistically as well. You start off in this very blocky apartment, very jagged. Yeah, because it looks always rough. Tough. There's, there's no opening levels a bit. There's, there's no soon, AA on that. As soon as you go outside, they've got a... a simply amazing lighting model and when when you're in environments that allows it to shine like literally shine and you've got all these different lighting effects uh you know beaming down on the actual maps it looks great and by the yeah, last the mission, lighting on the game really gives it like an extra light a real mm-hmm. light, there's a real life to it and because the thing about unreal is it's a very static st- like cold engine usually everything feels got kind of plasticky very laminated and the lighting really gives some warmth to it um, so that's the single player, and I really enjoyed the single player. It's over. It was over a lot sooner than I would have hoped. Um, I think we should probably probably say here that, that the expectation is somewhere between five and eight hours. You you finished it in un, just under five. Just under, yeah. Um, um, so I mean, for yeah, no, for play, normal if you people, and I guess you're cold, the yeah, yeah, any of the cold games is the same length. Yeah. So. Um, but I think multiplayer. There's enough there for me to. 
you know, keep playing for weeks and weeks and weeks. The, the question, I guess, is whether anyone's actually going to play it online. You know, yeah. that is the the big battle that that any multiplayer game faces, especially yeah. in the shooter genre. I think, I it's I releasing at the right time. It's not got a lot of competition. Yeah, Crisis yeah. Two is its only real big competition, and I think it's got a better online mode than Crisis Two. I yeah. think they've what they've done with the online mode definitely warrants a, a stable community a stable and lasting community I think they've done some great things I don't think it's a bad company to beat I don't think anything is to be honest but it's not miles behind it really isn't they've done a they've done a good job with it they've got some good ideas that I fully expect to see stolen for perhaps Battlefield 3 certainly the the other competition that'll be coming out in the next couple of years mm. um and it's yeah, it's a, it's a real good first step for Homefront because we know it's not going to be the last. This is going to be THQ's Call of Duty. Well, I was reading yesterday that, that in the states it's THQ's most pre-ordered game in history. Oh. Now, admittedly, THQ have you know they've made some wrestling yeah. games and they've made uh, but but wrestling at, but wrestling at its height was yeah. was huge. You know, oh the, man, the the, the, the games on the PlayStation were one massive. Oh my were god, massive. So you know that says a lot about it. Yeah. I think it's it's pro- possibly less pre-ordered in Europe. Mm-hmm. But then the story is a very is a and tale of America. Don't forget about the time when they America. made the um, the Home Alone game and the uh, Home Improvement right. game starring Tim yeah. Allen. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, uh, we did review Touchdown yeah. until we talked about it before. Yeah, we've talked done, talked about all that. So let's let's just get. I'm just going to quickly go because we want to get on to some questions. So I'm just going to quickly give you uh, an overview of a couple of other things which are worth pointing out in the issue uh, on sale Tuesday. Big features this issue, right? Yeah, one of them is a uh, a feature, Mike, where you chat to a guy who does. Film. He's uh, he works in the film business himself, and he's uh, well, he, he he basically he's an expert on clothes in film, clothes in movies. So I said to him, "Well, you know what? You know a lot about clothes in movies, about clothes in video games. I mean, most of the time, clothes in video games just look preposterous. Let's be honest. They're designed for style, not actual wearability. They don't look like anything anyone could wear. But there's some games just really rocking it right now. I was chatting to um, Jean-Jacques Beltet on Deus Ex when for our cover the other week." And for other months, rather. And um, he said, you know, he said, one thing I would do if I were making this game again is hire a fashion designer. Because, mm. like, I'm not a fa-, He said, you know, I'm an artist, not a fashion designer. But he had to immerse himself in fashion design to do justice to this future that he was making for Deus Ex. And if you look around, there's a few guys doing some amazing work. Rocksteady hired... Not Rocksteady, sorry. Rockstar hired a, a fashion designer straight yeah. out of Hollywood for L.A. Noir, you know, did, a, yeah. a clothing designer. So it's a big feature on... Clothes and games from a, someone who actually knows the difference between you know a double-breasted and single-breasted suit and yeah. reading his clothes. This is a baby of mine. I like clothes. I like talking about clothes. And the funny thing about it is, it's actually pretty interesting, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you guys yeah, is, yeah. aren't fashion aficionados or anything, and not, I'm sure most of our readers aren't. But when you hear about it, like you know when you see the difference between like a really good costume and a really bad costume, yeah. it's right there on the screen, man. You can tell it. You can see when someone's designed an outfit that isn't just wearable. It's actually perfect for the setting. And it's everything about it feels right. It feels like something that someone would really wear if they were that person in that world. Mm. As opposed to a Final Fantasy costume or Ivy's so Ivy's curious purple onesie. Yeah. And like I, I was looking at that like that cut up onesie and and we were we, Onesie, that, I love that word. It, we were gonna. I was one of the ones I was gonna offer him to tear apart, but it's, it's too, too easy. easy. Yeah. It's just too easy. Your, if you look at it, there's actually no way to get it on. No, unless it was sewed onto you, you couldn't wear maybe it. Maybe it is. Maybe. Oh, well, there you go. So it's just really stinky. We've got that for years. Yeah, really should check that out. Uh, Mike's putting a lot of hard work on that. He also briefly mentioned Deus Ex. We've got some uh, more, uh, we chat more to the dev team on that. So you um, won't find a better interview than that. It's actually the writer, the musician, 
the uh, the oh, artist yeah. and the designer yeah. all four of them and then finally we've got uh, the making of uh, Assassin, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood's uh, multiplayer yeah which uh, for, for anyone who's been online uh, and played it will know is absolutely sensational I think Mike you were talking about in the office this morning yeah we were yeah. We were once again uh, discussing our stories too. yeah exactly I heard we you were both chatting anyway, so. we were both agreeing how bullshit the poison yeah poison is bullshit is. in that game yeah and he's, uh, that poison needs to be toned down or, or you came up with a great idea. How about uh, a way to... Just some counter to it, yeah. Get rid of it. Some counter. Shake about. So let's have some questions then, Matt. Very very quickly, I just thought it was worth pointing out the fact some people are asking about Dragon Age 2, how that's been doing. Oh, on. yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got the review in this issue as well, as, as we have uh, Bulletstorm, which is a game I finished last week and enjoyed immensely. Okay. Yeah, sorry the Bulletstorm review is so late. We're kind of hamstrung by uh, EA on that one. We weren't able to yeah, get it. Yeah, that was one really. of those special ones where they've got a great game, uh, but they don't want anyone to talk about it. Yeah. Thanks why, a lot. Why would you? Uh, Sean Hollands asks, uh, do you think there's a problem in difficulty versus accessibility? Uh, Lionhead tried to make Fable 3 accessible, but just made it serious, e- seriously easy. Uh, well, my friend won't buy Vanquish because they don't understand what happens when uh, he watches him play. Is this an issue? Yeah, Vanquish is a tough to sell, man, because when you when you watch it from afar, it literally is absolutely yeah, incomprehensible. Yeah. But when you, I said this in my review, when you play the game, the gamer's brain's an amazing thing, man. It, it's the, you can prioritize so quickly and pick out what's important on screen so easily. When you're watching it from afar, it's just a mess of light and sound. Mm. When you're actually holding that controller, you can see everything. You see everything you need. Prioritize everything you need. But never quite enough, you know? There's always one thing which escapes you, and that's the thing that gets you. Yeah. So next time you know, so you've got to be looking yeah. for that too, and that's, that's what makes it cool. If you're talking about difficulty versus accessibility, yes, it's a problem. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's I, a tough job for any designer. Yeah, I think it's very, it's very subjective and very individual, you know, like one... As we everyone's know, got different every, skills. Everyone's so. got different skills, you know. Well, Pal- you were loving Batman, right? Yeah, I love Batman. The, the, the bullshit boss fight. Yeah, I just brought it to a halt. Yeah, I brought it to a halt, and I, I just couldn't mentally or or physically get past <laughs> it. And um, I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to find the time to to finish the game. But I know in my head that I, I've already defeated myself in my head. I know I won't get past it, you know. So. I, the, the final boss fight in that game, which puts oh, you against shit. two of these giant beasts and then keeps on flooding the room with bad guys. Oh, man. I hated it. That's, I hated that, it that's no good. No. And for me, it was, a, it was a struggle and ultimately was the reason why I didn't finish Batman, uh, even though I loved, loved the game up until that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for you, you know, you, you and I, Mike, you 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 breeze I, through it, you know. Yeah, we got through those bits. I won't say they were the most enjoyable bits. There's a really really good quote that I got out of the Batman event, and I'm not. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not gonna reveal it on the podcast because it's gonna be going into the feature for our following issue. But if you were at all concerned about the boss battles in Batman, um, you don't need to be concerned about them in the city. In in the city, in, in the sequel, in Arkham City. But as, yeah, as Mike says, it is a difficult balance because you have to both cater for people like me and people like you guys, you know, who who are, who are whiz through games. One, one thing that, that that I see more in, in games now, more and more, is the ability to change your difficulty mid-play. Really that's like so that. important. Yeah, absolutely. Like, important. You pause a shooter, you think I really can't get past this, but I'm going to knock it down from you know veteran to normal or something. And then if you want, after bump it back up. And yeah, then, it might just no an reason. achievement. But there's no really reason cool. not to do it either. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think in Halo that the AI gets smarter when you make the difficulty higher. It doesn't. It never has. It just gets the AI just gets to tougher. Kill. And because it gets tougher to kill, you get to see it do its thing for longer. Mm. And that's when you get to really see the AI shine. Like yeah. there's, there's no reason not when you're just when you when the difficulty change is literally just a big change in 
how much hit damage the, 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 hit, the hit points they take, the hit points they put out, and the hit points you put out and hit points you can take. You can that's something yeah. that can be changed on the fly, and that's I think a great way of balancing mm. it because I like to play games at like the normal setting. Mm. I like to play games at the setting they think is appropriate for me. Play it through, and if I do get stuck at a point, this sucks. Well, hey, let me let me just bang it down. Let me just bang a setting mm. down and play through. I was chatting to the um, the home front. No, sorry, the uh, Red Faction guys about this when we did the cover a few months back, and they said, yeah, our, you know, our difficulty was all over the place in the first game. And I said to him, I said, yeah, you know, I, I I did a lot of the game just bouncing difficulty, just literally bouncing it up and down between normal and easy. Mm. He said, you know what? He said, he said, I made, I worked on the game, I did too. Mm. So you know, it's like we that's something we've addressed for the sequel. Mm. I really like what Bayonetta did. Um, you had all these different modes to play. You essentially had a one-button mode where people who had no skills whatsoever away, could right? play the game, could just whack their way through the game. Yeah. Um, and then you had... I mean, Bayonetta is an ultra-ultra-hardcore game, I, I, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So, like, you had modes there... There is only something to be said for Bayonetta play. playing on... Playing Bayonetta and Bayonetta on normal, which I think is genuinely anybody could handle mm. it on normal. But there's, like, there's ways to play these games, which is, like, an expert player can play for style and look really good and get lots more points or XP or whatever it is than someone who's just playing just to get through to the next level and just mm. to you know, mash their way through. And there, there is that going for it. You know, you, the, the difficulty doesn't necessarily have to come from the game. Yeah. It can come from the player's demands on themselves. Bulletstorm has that to an extent. Absolutely. Bulletstorm's built on that. You and know? then I think the problem becomes not in the, you know, the accessibility versus difficulty, but just the communications that you know that people are aware of this. I mean, Bayonetta, that one button mode, not that many people are aware of it. You go yeah. into a shop and people are like, oh, it's one of them games. No, they're far too difficult. Like, obviously you can't put every selling point on a box so that people mm. are aware that there's a one button mode or whatever. And but of course you can't shout out too loud because it'll scare exactly, off the people who really yeah, exactly. like it. Exactly, that's what I was about to say. So, so that's why I say it's a very subjective yeah. kind of but, individual But it's thing. a shame that the, I mean, we're seeing it more and more certainly with difficulty selects and stuff mid-game. You don't have to start a new mm. game to play a different difficulty. But these that's, should that's become, the game, these yeah, should become the industry cheap. standards. I mean, certainly for the change in difficulty... I yeah. don't see why but it that, can't be that is game. the cheat where if you're a designer and you want to balance your game so anyone can play it the cheatiest way to do that is to let them change difficulty mid-game you know mm. there are ways that, I mean well, I think all of us here have played games that have been absolutely perfectly balanced Braid was one of them like there was no puzzle in that game that couldn't be solved as long as you sat and thought about it but it was, wasn't a single puzzle in that game that wasn't challenging like that's good design mm. and that's tough that's yeah. real real tough I think it's probably easier if you've got a game that isn't reliant on pace. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a game like a game like Braze, you can take your time with yeah. it. Yeah. But with a game like, say, Bulletstorm or yeah. Batman even, you know, Where a boss fight needs a certain it. rhythm. Yeah, and I think and it needs to up the stakes. You need yeah. to make it tougher because otherwise it's not a boss, you know? Yeah. Well, it... Yes, for the most part. I think there there is a place in every game for maybe one throwaway boss. There's one in Batman Arkham City, which again is going to be in the features. The, the Earthworm Jim boss where it's a fish in a tank and you've got all this level building up to this terrible boss and you go up and you just prod it off its pedestal. Yeah, that's good for a gag for sure. So, um, But I think the best bosses, what they do is they... they challenge you on all of the things you've the been taught you've to learned up until then yeah, yeah. the final pri the new Prince of Persia uh, as in just Prince of Persia the cell shaded one uh, we obviously had lots of problems with that game but the final boss was essentially a, you know a, a lesson in acrobatics it was you yeah. had to use all your acrobatic skill to take it down it wasn't 
you're in a circular room with a sword with a guy with like a million hit points slash and slash and slash until he dies it, you actually have to utilize all of the you know running and jumping and everything else that the last 10 hours were based that's on. the thing again the game should always be testing you should always be teaching you stuff and then testing you on that thing mm. it's just taught you uh Finding the sweet spot for difficulty in that is a job. Yeah, that's, that's tough. That is tough. That's a job that I'm glad I don't have to do for a yeah. living, you know? Uh, ben one, Robinson one wants to know, uh, uh, we'll just do this very quick one and then maybe one more. Uh, what online features do you want slash not want to see now in Scrolls 5? Personally, don't I don't want to see anything. Maybe, at a push, maybe some stat sharing, uh, but no. I, I, I don't know whether they'll do anything online anymore, I don't will they? Think they will. Oh, it's such a massive world. I mean, how do you even do that? The only online thing I want is a, a, a steady flow of interesting new content. Mm. That's really all I want. I worry. I'm, I'm sort of excited, but I'm mostly more worried about them following the template that they've um, set in motion with the Fallout games, which is four two-hour blocks of DLC, and that be it. Yeah. It means that we probably won't see another Shivering Isles. Yeah, the interesting thing about uh, the first Oblivion was just how happy... Everything was an experiment, you know? All the DLC was just like a surprise everything yeah. was new everything was it's the wild west back then it was yeah people have got really good at measuring out mm. did downloadable content a bit too good publishers have got good at it it's a bit too predictable now yeah um, finally Graham Taylor not the not the Graham Taylor the famous turnip headed uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Graham Taylor <laughs> in the build up to my pre-order copy of Dragon Age 2 arriving I had a quick look through the game's marketplace and noticed there were already two different DLC packs up there one for 800 points and one for 560 my question is does this stuff annoy you as much as it does me tell you what though Graham Taylor must get I must have got that a lot yeah growing up he must have got people saying that Graham's how old he is I suppose yeah I guess so if he's our age then he probably got called turnip head loads at oh, school oh my god yeah. yeah or he would have been had the old so, do I not like that and all that kind of with stuff the, yeah. with that in mind sorry if, uh, if sorry if you sorry, did get yeah. so if we brought back some memories <laughs> yeah, sorry about that apologies does it annoy you what seeing DLC for stuff that yeah yeah I think it annoys everyone. I, I mean, I th DLC should the, the rule for DLC is it should always be to expand the game. It shouldn't be something that was withheld in the first place. Um, but how do you how do you legislate that? You know, how do you how do you tell what's been or the difference? And yeah. the one one more surefire way to tell is if it's up there before the game's out on yeah. shelves. I think I think in this case this is maybe content that is. Uh, free for everyone who buys it new but perhaps you buy the online pass if you've got a second hand I think that's copy. okay I'm actually cool with that because mm. I, I mean developers need to make money somehow and if you buy a second hand copy of a game you might as well pirate it mm. like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and draw a distinction between piracy and buying a second hand copy of the game either way the money's not going to the guys who made yeah. it and, at least they're, and they're the ones who deserve the money mm. <laughs> I'm not defending piracy but at least it's not as in your face as second hand I go into my local shop to buy a new game well, I've I said can't find before, new you know, games piracy, like, is a, piracy is a niche piracy mm. is, a, is a few thousand people I, you know it's, 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 it, even if it's tens of thousands of people it's still a niche you go into game uh, or GameStop or GameStation all these stores the biggest game stores in the world in across two whole continents they're just like games pawnbrokers they will they, it's a jumble sale they'll, they'll push Prius pre-owned content over and above new content and now of course they're accepting pre some stores are accepting pre-orders for, for second hand second hand yeah, games, games just that's just started just I mean what, um, the, what the developers and publishers must think is just insane you ask anyone like EA and they, but they would never ever say it but the sooner they can cut retail out of the loop they're yeah. looking, they're looking yeah. forward to that day yeah. and in the meantime the concession they're going to make is that games come with like an online pass or a way of getting extra content if it's a single player game way of getting extra content mm. if you spend 1200 points when you first get the game or 
when you get a copy, a copy brand new, you get a token, which mm. is free with the game. Like, you know what? That's just, you know, seems fair enough to me. What I don't get is why don't, and there may be a very good reason for this, and, and maybe games already do, some games, but why don't publishers come out and in each boxed copy have like a, a code that activates that they do that's, that's yeah what. that's the new thing like yeah, THQ EA yeah, did it first then THQ, THQ jumped did. on board but I thought EA just did the activating the multiplayer yeah so for now it's mostly the online stuff so but they should just do the whole to, thing. The, lock, lock the whole game yeah. that's There's the, that's the step no one's brave enough to take yeah. yet and I think sooner or later that's going to happen mm. I mean there no may one's be been some, brave enough I don't yet. know if there are any legal issues stopping it I, it's not something we uh, yeah the minute they around. make it so that you can buy surely you can buy a second hand copy of the game but to activate it it costs 30 quid yeah like that changes everything yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll change everything because that will mean that the game can't and GameStation and GameStop in America can't sell a second hand game for more than 10 quid because mm. otherwise it isn't worth the yeah. people and, and that's when and when no one's going to want to sell games pre-owned at that point it opens up a big can of worms because one of the nice does, things yeah. about selling you know, about buying a game is that you can sell it yeah. and buy yourself another one but what I always say is when you do buy another one buy a new one man. Yeah. Buy a new, make sure that people get the money who deserve it and you know what if it's a Chateau game well never mind but if it's a really good game doesn't it suck that someone can make a really good game and not get paid for yeah, it yeah absolutely so thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy it. It's been quite a long one today, actually, a couple of hours. So uh, we, we hope you enjoy this bumper strong cast. It has indeed been very strong today. Um, if you've got any questions, then post them on Facebook, get in contact with uh, with Mike on Twitter or uh, go on our forums or email us. We, we are on old-fashioned email as well. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. We, we love your questions. We try to answer as many as we can in the time we've got available. And if we can't answer them on here, we'll always answer them on Facebook or Twitter. So uh, remember, the new issue's on sale Tuesday. Love to hear your thoughts. Love you to buy a copy. Tell us what you think of the, uh, the fancy cover on it. Yeah, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.